Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Oh, so much going on. First of all, I've got Josh on Life in Illinois, which is really good timing because I didn't have anything particularly planned for this hour. I've got several articles and things like that. But this is going to be a good time. This is, a, you know, it's actually exceptional timing. Um, the only things I would mention are the fact that we have Chadwick Moore coming back tomorrow. And Chadwick Moore is the author of Tucker. And so it's the biography of Tucker Carlson. And he was on three weeks ago, and I asked him two questions. Uh, in fact, Josh, you can think about this and tell me what you think. I'd be curious. But the first thing I asked him was, what would he think of uh, talking to Tucker Carlson about a discussion on a discussion, I guess it would be a Twitter on-air uh, chat with Robert Kennedy and Donald Trump sitting at the same table with him. So just having a, an adult discussion, you know, the non-deep state debate is what I sort of euphemistically called it. Um, because those two are universally hated by their own parties. You know, the Democrats don't like Robert Kennedy and the uh, Republicans don't like Donald Trump. So, it's, so that makes them the best candidates right there. Uh, so that was the first idea. And the second idea, which is a little more controversial, is that I go on the air with Trump. Excuse me, not with Trump. Well, I'm going to do that someday anyway. I go on the air with Tucker Carlson, and we write a bill, and we actually write something that he wants to write uh, that we would then send directly to Congress. Um, now, either we finish it during that session or maybe a part one, part two. I don't know how it would work. But anyway, that's what I'm trying to do. And so I'm going to talk to Chadwick tomorrow. He'll be on at 8 a.m. Central Time and see if I can get an answer to that question. And I've invited a few other folks you know, to the conversations. I was, I'm not going to say who yet, but we'll just see who shows up. But tomorrow could be a really interesting day here. That's the first thing. And the second thing, of course, what's in the news um, is, the, is the two factors of the impeachment or lack thereof uh, and the budget or lack thereof there again. So we've got these two things going on, um, and they are kind of related because the, the GOP establishment, uh, deep state, uh, you know, gonadless, uh, gelding old party, they're like, well, we're not going to give you an impeachment unless you give us, you know, all our, all our budget. They call it a clean continuing resolution. Clean means it's dirty. <laughs> Everything's probably in Washington, right? So the more they say it's clean, the more the pork and other things they've, they've lopped into it. A clean one would be, you know, back 10 years ago. <laughs> you know, they're trying to fund it at 2022 levels. How about funding it at 2012 levels? That would be interesting. Right, let's bring Josh on. Uh, let's see what's on his mind and uh, what's going on. Make us line live. There we go. Morning, Josh. How you been? What's going on? I'm doing well. How are you doing, sir? Uh, things are crazy here. Uh, things are exploding. We're, we're on the verge of, of greatness. <laughs> I, I can just feel it, you know. So we're getting amazing guests. Go ahead. No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm fine. I'm just... I was just going to say that there's a lot of uh, shiny objects popping around, and everybody is really distracted at all times. I think uh-huh. this is going to be a very, very interesting year. Well, I, I, I guarantee it. <laughs> You know, because it's already an interesting year. Uh, but 2020, are you talking about 2024, the election year? That's going to be fascinating. That is going to be – no, seriously, uh, because of the last two election cycles uh, uh-huh. when it came to the presidential race, I, yeah, 2024 is going to be obviously like uh, apocalyptic. Uh, I want to see 2026. What's, what's about 2026? I think you're getting a little ahead of the game here. I know, I know, I know. I'm aware of it's okay. that. I'm just saying. No, I, I don't, I don't mind that you do that. I'm just curious why. Um, I think that 2024 is going to be um, like the reckoning. Does that make sense to you? 
Wrecking or reckoning? Reckoning. It's okay. going to be yeah, like a, a culmination of things. Well, it's the first election where going into it, the biggest question is not who's going to win, but whether it will be stolen or not. That's the question. And so the Democrats are, worried, are wondering, is it going to be stolen for them like it was in 2020? Uh, the Republicans are wondering, is it going to be not stolen and Trump wins like he did in 2020? So that's the big question. And so it's really up to the Republicans because I'm, I'm convinced the Democrats are going to try and cheat again because they did it last time. You know, they, they stole the election from their own party member, Bernie Sanders. And if they're willing to sacrifice their own, they're certainly willing to sacrifice, you know, the other party. Pretty much a given. So I, I'd, be, I'd be curious. Can I and, throw and Trump's going to try and stop it. Yeah. Go ahead. Can I throw, can I throw a take in there? Sure. Um, every single election has, like historically, like every single election that we've ever had is based on a set of rules. And... You can say that somebody cheated if they changed the rules, but you can't say something's stolen if they changed the rules while the game was being played. So I'm going to say not, not it necessarily. was necessarily. It depends who changes the rules. See, the problem with the 2020 election well, was the Pennsylvania, fact that they, Pennsylvania, uh, Michigan. No, I'm saying mm-hmm. – no, I'm, I'm just saying that I understand cheating – the concept of cheating is mm-hmm. pretty much politics to begin with. That's like the default. That's no, pretty... no. Let's, Are let's you talk, sure? There's, there's hold on. There's different levels of cheating. Okay, let's talk about basic vote fraud. Stuffing ballots, uh, putting things in the, in the ballot boxes, sending in fake ballots, sending in fake absentee ballots, ballot harvesting, um, counting the same ballot, you know, 100 times, all that kind of stuff. That's just basic vote fraud. That's, that's vote fraud 101. So that went on. There's videos, there's affidavits. That's pretty much proven. The second level above that would be changing the rules, using COVID as an excuse to change rules and laws that they can't do, allowing mail-in ballots when they didn't before, uh, allowing for signatures, you know, non-verified signatures to be counted. Every vote counts. Well, that's not true. It's not a vote or a ballot unless it's, it's legal. <clears throat> so that's the second level. And, of course, the third level are the big things, the computer hacks, changing the electronic voting machines, changing the registrations, changing uh, the results, uh, dumping hundreds of thousands of Brandon votes, you know, after uh, all, all the, the counting has been shut off and all the votes, you know, everything's closed and, you know, all the Republicans have been sent home and all of a sudden, the middle of the night, boom, all these extra votes show up by a computer hack. So there's many different levels that are going on here, all of which amount to the same thing. Trump won the election and the Democrats stole it and the Republicans let them. And then we got the election yeah. on January 6th. So that's going to be the fourth level. The fourth level is, at, is treason. In a coup d'etat where the election was actually stolen when there were more Trump electors than there were um, Brandon electors as voted by the state legislatures. And the state legislatures are controlling in elections, not the governor, not the secretary of state. And yet Congress and Mike Pence, you know, being deep state majorities, uh, took the Brandon electors when they were legally constitutionally bound to not do that, to send those ballots back to the states and say, look, you got two sets of uh, electors. You got Trump and you got uh, Brandon. Send us back one. And that would have been the proper constitutional thing to do. And that's the one thing that Mike Pence said he specifically couldn't do, but he lied about that. <laughs> that's the only thing he could do under the circumstances. Or in, once it's in Congress, then the, the, the congressional debate on each state would have had to go forward. And you'll notice that the so-called riot, the insurrection, which is really you know, Antifa, Black, excuse me, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and uh, FBI mercenaries, they stopped the count as soon as Arizona came up. Well, Arizona alphabetically is the first of the battleground states. Trump supporters were still walking down from the Capitol, from the White House, excuse me, 
So Trump supporters are walking down. They had to stop the Arizona count. So that's how you know this is all such a fraud. There's, you know, anybody that looks at it, you know, the people that stopped the, the count stopped it specifically at Arizona, specifically because it was the first battleground state. You know, so they're pretty uh, obvious about that. And that would be like the fifth level of, of vote fraud. So, um, yeah, that's my case. No, I don't disagree with any of that at all. Okay. So now what? Now what are we going to do? Uh, so, well, no, I'm, I'm saying I'm saying that oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> when it comes to, um, I think I just got a promotion. <laughs> okay, uh, Greg is now the dictator of a small piece of land. No, <laughs> anyway, no, no. No, I'm not a dictator. I'm just, I'm just a, you know, I'm just a little show host that happens the, to have the, a citizen legislature. <laughs> What's the that? Glorified czar. No, 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 no. Um, no, I'm, uh, no. You know, I don't run for office, and there's a reason. I, I think I'll be much more effective here than I would ever be as, you know, I, I don't want to be, you know, one voice in 435 representatives uh, in Congress. I'd much rather be, you know, one voice, you know, leading an entire broadcast media uh, into or conservative broadcast media into activism, things they never thought possible. Right. Much more not useful. a czar. Definitely not a czar. No, no, I'm not. I'm, in fact, uh, not only am I not after power, <laughs> I'm trying to remove power. So I'm actually the opposite. I'm, a, I'm like an unzar. Kind of like an undictator. Like. My God, my God, you just found a new title. Okay. Yeah, I do it all the time. Cool. I make up words every show. I think I make up some new words. So Unzar. And now the Unzar. Un-C-Z-A-R. Unzar. That's fair. Um, Unzar the first. No, so... Sound like a, like a <laughs> bohemian. Sound like a Transylvanian. And now we present Unzar the first from Europe, from Transylvania. Unzar the, the first. Great, great Unzar. The Unzar, the first. Unzar. Yes, I'm now the Unzar. I'm going to write that okay, down. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Um, I'm yeah, you should probably write that uh-huh. down. It's actually gonna that's gonna be sweet. Yeah, um, if you make a uh, podcast in the future with that title, I'm not gonna say I want royalties. Well, I'm the one that said it. You didn't. Where would you get royalties? I was here for that. I'm just. Oh, you were here for that. Oh, great. That's like saying I watched Thomas Edison create the light bulb. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. Great. <laughs> yeah. No, I was in the background. Everybody like, like the team photo. I was in the background, leaning my head sideways. You know, yeah, I was several there. states away, <laughs> listening on a on a phone. You know, okay, well, all right, sure, yeah. all right, that's okay. No, but, no, but think about it, though. Yeah. So here's here's a question though. Um, the biggest thing the Republicans are scared of is that the Republican Party will let the election be stolen again, because the reason it was stolen is with the cooperation of the deep state, which is a conglomeration of Democrats and Republicans. Did you hear uh, Bianca Von Krieg yesterday, our, our socialist progressive West Coast reporter? She's doing a bunch of uh, things, no, but, um, Okay, so we, uh, I have like insight now into the Democrat Party and into uh, uh, the other folks. And so, that, you know, they're not crazy about Brandon either. Uh, I don't think uh, the actual progressive folks that want stuff done. Now we disagree on what the, you know what to be done, obviously. But the point is that they're not thrilled with with Brandon either, and so a lot of folks aren't, except the deep state because they know they can control him. So Republicans don't want him, and there are a bunch of progressive Democrats that don't want him either. So there's a very interesting kind of coalition forming, uh, the same coalition that's against the war in Ukraine, both against the war, uh, maybe for different reasons. But uh, so there's there's some interesting stuff going on. There's like the deep state and the non-deep state. So you don't have Democrats and Republicans anymore in Congress. You have deep state and non-deep state. And the deep state won in 2020, actually in 2021, by blocking the, uh, the Trump electors, the legitimate Trump electors, from having a voice, from being able to uh, uh, be judged against the, uh, the Brandon electors. 
So that's, that was the coup. That was the, that's the essence of what's going on. And so a lot of us, me included, are, are worried that the Republicans are going to let it happen again. And there aren't enough Trump people, you know, nationwide. So either you've got to have a plan or the, enough states have to get rid of their voting machines uh, and their secretaries of state and uh, governors that are causing the problems. And they can't use COVID as an emergency anymore. They can't suddenly change the rules and accept all the ballots and do all the things they did uh, using the, the, the COVID cover. So this is, this, we, and we just don't know. We just don't know if they're going to have the, the balls to do the right job, do the right thing. We know how they're going to steal it. We know how they stole it last time. But is it going to happen again? That's the big question. And no one can answer that until, you know, election time, November, whatever it is, you know, 2024. A short year and a few months away. Ooh, it's getting exciting. Yeah. yeah. Well, so what's going know, on in your neck of the woods? Oh, uh, you know, we're all just out here living peachy. No, um, they, uh, they're trying to ban a bunch of nonsense in my area. Mm-hmm. And, um, like what? I'm pretty sure that you're aware of how long my middle finger is. <laughs> um, no, we're, we're actually challenging a lot of stuff. Uh, you heard about that stuff in New Mexico. Oh, we've been talking about it. Oh yeah. Oh, and the AG came out and was like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to defend her. If she's going to place this on the rest of the state or any particular county, I'm not going to defend her, which if the state's lawyer is not going to defend her, that means that she's going to have to stand there alone trying to defend herself. And then they came in and tore everything down, and they were like, are you crazy? <laughs> we're not doing this. Why do you think she did it, knowing full well it was blatantly she, unconstitutional? Well, no. I, I, think that, I think that she is a part of a coalition, and she mm-hmm. was a little little puppet. Um, I don't think that uh, she actually intended on doing that when she uh, took office. I think that she's a little munchkin amongst <laughs> a big pool of blue. Mm-hmm. And they were like, um, yeah, you know, test the waters, you know, toss this ridiculous thing out and you see how the people react. And the people reacted terribly in response to her nonsense. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I'm very happy with the response. I, I'm happy well, to uh, see that people in Albuquerque walked out open carrying rifles and shotguns and pistols. <laughs> and they were like, no. We're not doing that. And then the AG said, no, I'm not going to defend you when people start suing you. And the sheriffs were like, we're not arresting people. And she was only trying to have uh, the state police enforce this. And the state police even were like, well, I'm just a state police officer if I'm in that county and that sheriff's sheriff's deputy decides to arrest me for arresting that guy. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I didn't know about that. That makes sense, yeah. yeah. But what's so fascinating about this, and New Mexico is a you know, Democrat-liberal state, otherwise you wouldn't have a liberal Democrat governor. And yet, they, they, they jumped on this so fast. This is the most encouraging thing I've seen in a long time. It's almost like, I was talking to Josie about this on Tuesday. This is a turning point, you know, because if this had happened during COVID, we wouldn't have had half the mandates. So I think a lot of this is a reaction to, I didn't fight the COVID mandates, but I'm going to fight this one. What do you think of that? Absolutely. No, um, where I'm from, um, mm-hmm. the first thing, because uh, the, the, the whole COVID thing, um, every single governor was given special powers and emergency health response. No, they weren't. And those the weren't legal powers. Those are illegitimate. Those I know are, those they are weren't legal. No, I'm out. I know. I know. Mm-hmm. But they were given special they COVID took, powers. They took powers. But who gave them to them? No, it was federal to state. I know, I know. No, it Trust wasn't. I, I guess. No, no, it wasn't. I know. The CDC said these are just guidelines. It was voluntary. I'm, 
I'm aware of that. I'm aware of that. But I'm in one of the worst states in America. Right. So the governor took those powers and they handed them down and they gave individual city like mm-hmm. mayor's powers. Because and the first either. thing the mayor of yeah. my city did was ban the sale of firearms and ammunition. <laughs> well, so the, the, and no then I started the talking virus. to people. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh no, that was it was really awkward because I was like, no. So I started talking to uh the local firearms dealers and I started talking to just random people and I was like, Call everybody you know. We need to go to City Hall, we need to blow up their phones, we need to act mm-hmm. a little bit of an a hole. <laughs> and uh yeah, she was like, We're removing that Everything that we were talking about before, we're just striking that down. That's not going to be a part of it. <laughs> and, yeah, well, no, we won. It's... Yeah. COVID was a fascinating test because it showed how quickly um, people, and this includes Republicans because Ron DeSantis did this too. He, he keeps trying to run away from the fact that he closed the beaches, closed the schools, closed the parks, closed a lot of businesses, closed all kinds of things he shouldn't have closed. And he only did it for a few months, and he retreated from it. But Christy Noem never did it at all. So he retreated from that policy because it was incredibly unpopular, but he still did it. He didn't have the wisdom ahead of time to know that it was wrong. See, that's different. That's, that's less virtuous than a Christy Noem who knew it was wrong, knew that those powers were unconstitutional, and specifically said, we're not locking down anything. A, she doesn't have the power, and B, she wouldn't do it anyway. You don't lock down healthy people. Anyway, but now you'll know it, and the Democrats did. They did. Would what? you rather see a Christy Nome or a, um, a Carrie Lake as a vice president for uh, Trump? I don't care. Either, either one's fine. Either one's fine with me. That's um, fair. I tend to think that governors make better presidents than senators do. Carrie Lake's never held an elective office. Uh, she'd be a damn good vice president. In fact, I, I, pre- I think she's going to be. I mean, my guess is she'll be the one selected. I, I would I think, love I think to Christy see Nome. Carrie Lake as vice president. What's that? I would love to see Carrie Lake as vice president. Yeah, because there's a good chance she'd run for president in 2028. Really good chance. And that wouldn't Absolutely. be a problem either. So, so vice president is like training ground. I know, but they're, but they're having all these, um, ele- mm-hmm. like the, all these court cases out in Arizona about stolen elections and whatnot. And mm-hmm. didn't, didn't Carrie Lake win a court case? I don't know what the current status is. That, um, I, she's she's winning a lot of little cases. I don't know if she's won the big one, but she's not in office yet. Katie Hobbs is still governor, illegally. Katie Hobbs is the, a terrible governor. Well, of course she is. But you see, the people of Arizona would never elect a terrible governor like Katie Hobbs. She had to have been installed. See, and this is the thing about, about Biden. Even if you never see any election evidence at all, even if you're a, a total liberal that refuses to look at any of the mountains of evidence and videos and affidavits and everything that proves, you know, that, uh, that Biden lost the election, just the sheer logic of it. He has never done well in a national election. He has never done well in primaries. He has never, I think he's like six was, you know, in New Hampshire one year was, it was his high point uh, when he ran for president on a previous occasion. He's never done well. So to think that somebody in his prime when he was still an idiot, you know, who never did well in any of the primaries, would suddenly, in a mentally degraded condition, promising to destroy this country with his policies, which is what he did, he outlined the destruction of the country, um, would, would somehow win? I mean, th- there's no logic. There's no, there's no reason to that. That argument Greg, falls flat on you know, what? Greg, we need, to, we need to understand exactly why Joe Biden got elected. Does he, he have didn't. a pulse? Yes. It well, doesn't matter. It's kind of unusual for Democrats because he's why a white they guy. Pushed him in, in, 
I know. <laughs> he's a white he's a white guy with a pulse who mm-hmm. brought in a chick that uh blew a mare. Oh, Brian, a black chick, yeah, who's actually, who's actually Jamaican Indian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, um, I know. Yeah, and well, I'm still convinced that Michelle Obama, you know, who's uh, running the country with, with uh, Barack, uh, is trying to replace the entire federal government with black women. Because you look at everybody who's been appointed lately. <laughs> it's, it's kind of interesting. Oh, no, no, no. That, no, that entire what? thing is a DEI thing. That's a DEI thing. Um, the most oppressed. Um, now, you, black woman. The uh, you can add you can add extra um, extracurriculars to that um, if they are uh, also uh, homosexual or non-binary or whatever. And well, yeah, if they the, uh, are the press secretary. Anyway. Who's, who's the press secretary? Uh, you know, Kareem Abdul. You know, what's her name? <laughs> Jabbar. No, that's the basketball player. <laughs> Kareem Jean Pierre. Yeah. All right. So she's gay. She's black, and and um, she's female. All right? she needs. All she she's one step away from being perfect. All she needs to do is lose a limb. I was just gonna say in a wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> if she was wheeled in there. She'd be the she'd be the perfect Democrat. She'd have to be qualified to do anything, you know. But uh, yeah. And if she had and if she was a veteran, <laughs> that'd be even better too. Thinking of oh. thinking of being trans. So if she was a trans veteran, wheelchair bound, black, female. Lesbian, she'd be like the. We should. There's not. There's some good satire in this. We need to create the ideal female presidential, ideal Democrat candidate for 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 president, and that's it. We we've identified it: black female lesbian in a wheelchair, veteran who's thinking of being trans. That's it. We just that's, need to send. That's who we, we just need. need to send that. We just need to send that sound clip to the Babylon Bee. No, no, I'm going to write an article on it. I do my own articles. <laughs> Thank you. Have you read gregpenglis.substack.com? Have you seen my articles? No. No, of course I'm, uh, not. I'm incredibly prejudiced against people named Greg. I'm an ideal Democratic candidate. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of fun. And someone writes that article, they steal my idea. That's fine. They won't write it the way I write it, so it doesn't matter. No, I got some good stuff out there. I had, I did, my last article was on the I am, uh, we need an I am Spartacus moment. You know, uh, and I forgot how what it was all about. Cory Booker? No, no, yeah, no. He screwed it up. He did. He did it wrong because he said it, <laughs> thinking that it was meaningful somehow, but he said it for the wrong thing, uh, the complete wrong and he's, thing. He's from New Jersey, and he spent yeah. all that money that uh, Mark Zuckerberg donated for the schools on um, constituents. That, that no, it was um, it was all he, he spent all that money that Mark Zuckerberg gave him for mm-hmm. New Jersey schools on uh, mm-hmm. consultants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be like the uh, it'd be like giving the quote. I have not yet begun to fight. The famous John Paul Jones line. You know, a ship is being attacked by uh, the British or the French. I've forgotten which. Uh, hey, my the British War of eighteen twelve. I have not yet begun to fight. You know, and what if he said that to, for like at a at a school board meeting? <laughs> you know, I mean, a little inappropriate. <laughs> you know, so uh, it's, so it's, it was the wrong thing to say. But my I am Spartacus moment uh, is the fact that Trump is being arrested and trying to be kicked off the ballot because he said the election was stolen. So everybody used to say the election was stolen. I did. I say it every day. You hear that, yeah, FBI, KGB? You guys listening? You know, so, so if you want to call the show, 215-383-3832. I always like to invite the FBI, KGB, once a day to uh, join us here at, uh, at our little conference. So far, they haven't taken me up on it. They just listen. I know they're out there. Yep. I <laughs> guarantee they are. Why, why wouldn't they? Well, you know, about, you know about the hack that just happened to my website, writeyourlaws.com? No, what happened? 
Well, I've, this is like the eighth one in two months, and so this hack is different than others. They they took my index, my um, my uh, where we have the bill listings, and they blocked that. So I could still get to the bills. I could still get to the website. Everything was functioning for me, but it wasn't functioning for anybody else. No one knew how to look up bills. So they took that one. The, the most valuable section of bill is the bill index where all the bills are, and they took and they blocked that. Now we restored it. It's fine. It's working fine. I'm going to keep. Uh, you know, we're finding new ways to to stop the. Uh, the hacks, but uh, that was that was kind of fascinating to me that uh, they were so precise they knew exactly what they didn't want the public to see, which is all our citizen legislation. Interesting, huh? Isn't that always the way that it goes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just checking the site right now; it's working fine. So yeah, fix it again. You know, so uh, deep state. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, we're going to keep coming back. I don't give up. You know, uh, so. Uh, and if something happens to me, then I've got plenty of other people to take my place. So, uh, you know, the idea is out there. I've taught a lot of people how to do this. What do you think of the idea, and this is, this is the crazy part, uh, of me being on with Tucker Carlson, uh, actually writing a bill with him on the air, uh, on, on his Twitter, you know, with 150 to 200 million people watching this whole process. Uh, and then we send that bill to Congress. That would change politics as we know it indefinitely. What do you think? I would actually love to see that. I would, yeah, I would, no, too. I would genuinely, yeah, I would genuinely love to see that because mm-hmm. um, if, you, if you're going in with somebody like Tucker Carlson, who has a huge audience, uh, huge. that man oh. is kind of a big Yeah, absolutely. Um, you'd have to go in and uh, surgically word everything. And then you'd have to just, it would just like a lightly, lightly push that across the pond, you know, just lightly push it. And, no, we're going uh, no matter... to send it right in. He's going to send it, ideally oh, he'll send it to his representative right there, right there on the air. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and, and here's the other thing, too. Millions of other people might send in, because I'll post the bill to writeyourlives.com, so it'll be available to everybody. We'll see if it crashes or not, <laughs> you know, but it'll be available to, uh, <laughs> you know, for everybody to sort of log in and, and take a look. At, hey, here's Tucker's bill. Let's see if they'll send in Tucker's bill. You know, he could write something on, on uh, you know, making cotton candy green. <laughs> you know, all right, I'm just pulling his apple on my head, right? You know, all cotton candy should be green. You know, and people would send that bill in just because it's Tucker Carlson. But I think he, you know, and, and I'm purposely not, and I've told Chadwick more when he, because he'll be on the show tomorrow. And I said specifically, don't tell me what the bill is. I want to be fresh. I want to be, you know, just, just come at it stone cold. No advance notice, no advance planning, and show people exactly how the process works completely from scratch. And so it, uh, that's where it's going to be, uh, you know, that's the idea. Well, Chadwick said it had three weeks to, uh, to talk to Tucker. We're going to find out tomorrow. <laughs> it's going to be really interesting. See what he No, says. man, seriously, I'm excited to hear about that. Yeah, yeah, me too. Well, I'm, you know, I can't wait. <laughs> like, so, Chadwick, what's the verdict? Well, I didn't get to talk to him. Can you talk to him now? I just, okay. <laughs> I just want everyone to know that uh, Greg, the moment he started talking about this, he, he's no longer sitting down. He's standing up right now. Pretty much. Well, I, I'm, I'm, you know, in my mind, I'm standing up. I'm jumping up and down and bouncing off the ceiling. Um, but uh, if I did that, the, you wouldn't hear the microphone. i got to be within a certain distance of the mic or it sounds like crap. So, like, if I'm back here, you can't hear me too well. So i got, I got to be up here. Anyway, um, but the other idea and that I think is uh, that has, has caught a lot of attention, too, is the idea of a Trump-Kennedy discussion where they sit around the table with Tucker, that little table where he interviews people. This little like cabin table in Maine or wherever he is. Um, but if you had Trump and Kennedy at the table with Tucker, just talking about stuff. Now, and don't have Tucker in the middle. I don't want to seem like an opposition. So you probably have, uh, 
you know, Trump and Kennedy in the center on the left, and then uh, Carlson on the right. <laughs> they could just chat. No, that no, have it have it be have it be a roundtable where there's an outside camera from like five different angles, and then there are individual cameras. Um, that works too. Where, That's where a good people, idea. Yeah, yeah. No, I like I like that idea too. As long as it doesn't seem hierarchical, I don't want it to. Yeah, that'd be the problem with the center stage um, because it, it wouldn't make sense whoever got it. But if the camera angles, they probably have to do multiple camera angles anyway. I don't know what his production is for. Uh, for the show. Um, but I've seen a lot of times he'll have like one person at a desk and they're kind of sitting in a way that you can see both their faces, you know, sort of like angled 45 degrees off. So you just add another person, you know, and they figured out cause they, you know, they're technical people that can do that kind of stuff. That's not my job. My job is to come up with the idea and present it. And I've got, you know, a bunch of folks behind the scenes working on it actually. Uh, that's the, that's part of the, I can't tell you yet department, <laughs> but you know, the, the, the real action on the show is not, us talking. I mean, I love the show is, is critical because it gets the word out, but the real action goes on behind the scenes. It's like Congress. You know, by the time you hear about a bill, it's already been decided. That debate on the floor, that's just for show. You know, the real debate happened in, uh, you know, in the restaurant in Georgetown the night before, <laughs> you know, in, 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 a, in a private conference room where they're all getting drunk on martinis and, uh, you know, various uh, other folks being brought in for entertainment. <laughs> that's, that's where legislation really happens. Anyway. Um, yeah. Fun stuff, huh? I'm just writing things down. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> I noticed we had a pause there. Uh, well, I can take a break for a couple minutes. You want to come back with some more stuff, or, or uh, what's what's uh, what, what would you like to do? I got plenty of time. Um, this morning. You, uh, I say it's a great time to, to call. take a break. Yeah, if you want to take a break and uh, give out the number for other people to call and go ahead, bud. Okay. All right. So let me play my information thing and a couple other stuff. So it's now seven thirty, seven twenty nine. It's probably 7.30 by the time I get to it, 7.29. I got a new uh, info thing that actually puts all my information on, on one little promotional thing. So let me play that. And I got some articles, um, but uh, if you have more stuff you want to talk about, give you a chance to think about it, let's do that. So you, you kind of get your own hour. So this is, this is pretty cool. All right, I'll be right back. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215 383 3832. Our show site is citizen action. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening.
Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. So we're just kind of cruising this hour and cruising next hour, and then we got CJ in the third hour. We're going to talk wellness stuff. So it's kind of casual today. Tomorrow's going to be intense. Yesterday was intense. So we, we kind of alternate here between intense and, and kind of casual. Mondays and Tuesdays are always intense. Wednesdays are, are just full. It's like reporters, you know, all the way through. And uh, and then Thursday we kind of like kick back <laughs> because we're almost on the weekend and Friday. Friday's going to be uh, we we could be uh, international news tomorrow or not. You just never know. Anyway, I got Josh in Illinois who's uh, checking in here, and uh, it's just, like I said, this was the perfect day to call in because I have an hour and we get to kind of hash over all this stuff. Um, Josh, any other issue that uh, is on your mind? State, local, federal, international, war in Ukraine, the budget, you know, uh, corrupt politicians in general, the election. I don't care. I'm open. What I mean, I have a lot of, I have a lot, but uh, I wanted no, to talk. Time to talk because I can't always give you this kind of time, but now I can. So let's let's make use of it. Yeah. Um, the the coup in Niger, uh, the coalition that's forming in Africa, oh. can, like go in. <laughs> yeah, you're getting a little weak there. Uh, well, let's talk about Africa. These coups. So it, it it's fascinating to me that. We report on coups in other countries like it's a bad thing. You know, and the military takes over. It's usually military, but not always. All right. Uh, but a coup is any time a government has been overthrown. It's a French word, coup d'etat. It's like coup de gras. So in other words, I guess coup means death. Uh, I'm guessing. Death of the state is coup d'etat. Coup de gras is when, you know, when the, the bullfighter sticks the sword, you know, in, in the, uh, the, the bull's you know, base of the spine and kills it. Right, so that's the coup de grace. That is the killing shot. So I, I, don't, I haven't looked it up exactly. But a coup d'etat is basically an overthrow of the government, violent overthrow, a death of the state, I think is what it, it, what it means. 
That's actually going to translate, so I might look that up right now. Uh, but it happens yeah. in other countries. It's reported as a bad thing. But when it happens in the United States, it's reported as, as good. And the people that are opposed to the coup d'etat, they're the ones who are actually the revolutionaries. <laughs> they're the evil ones. They're the ones that need to go to jail. So Trump, who said, well, hey, the election was stolen. On the, depending on the know, party, who's yeah, doing well, it. <laughs> but don't you, you have, you have, uh, you have uh-huh. a lev burning down $2 billion in damage. And then there's $5 million of damage in the capital city. I don't know. It's two different things. I don't know. What but do it's, I know? It, but it's, I'm it's over there with different my reporting, hands right? <laughs> Absolutely. Don't you find it interesting? Isn't that weird? Yeah, in other words, coups and other I'm going to look at meaning of coup d'etat. So meaning of coup d'etat. Let's get the, let's get the translation here. Because uh, I use it all the time. I'm pretty sure I know what it is, but, you know, uh, Miles will be... Uh, uh, a sudden decisive ex- exercise of force in politics, especially the violent overthrow or alteration of an existing government by a small group, a military coup d'etat, uh, dictator, example, example. Okay, fine. So, yeah, basically I was right. But what is, what is the, the exact translation? Oh, here we go. It means a stroke of state or a blow of state. So there we go. So the coup de grace when you're killing a bull, which I find abhorrent, um, is called a coup de grace. So a coup d'etat is basically you know, blow to uh, blow to the state. Okay. Or a stroke of the state. In other words, you basically, you've killed the state, <laughs> you've killed the, you've killed the government uh, in, in one shot. And so that's, that's kind of, I think it's important. I think it's important to, uh, to appreciate that um, people in America watching the running of the bulls in Spain, um, almost everybody is rooting for the bulls to mow down the idiots running in front of them. Well, I, you know, oh, they, they, I think in my youth I might have been stupid enough to do that, but I'm slower now. <laughs> so I don't have been such a, no, I Greg, such a, I believe in you. You can definitely run down a no, very I, narrow. I, no, I, can, I can walk with the bulls at this point. I don't think I'd be running with them. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd be walking briskly. I'd be doing my power walk with the bulls. <laughs> but that's uh, you know maybe, maybe I could do my my, my rocket assisted you know bike with the bulls. You could you could sit on top of a building and snap photos of bulls running over other young. Yeah, I, I could watch the bulls. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and they're and they're in Barcelona for the watching of the bulls. Yeah, okay, or wherever they do it. <laughs> Greg is the champion of watching the bulls. Well, I, I watch a lot of bull. I mean, I have to, I observe politics every day. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Myself, that, was, that was too easy. But don't you find it interesting that when the United States government is stolen, it's look, looked upon as virtuous, and the, government, the media covers the people that stole the government and supports them in prosecuting the people that said the government was stolen. Whereas if the situation were in any other country, we'd be supporting the people who said the government was stolen and giving them political asylum, which is why I called for Trump to ask for political asylum. And he should get it, too, because he's being persecuted in this country for his political beliefs. So I, what, I think I mentioned country? that to Christina Bob. Wait, Christina, remember we had Christina Bob on the show, Trump's attorney, but also a reporter for One American News. So she was on, and I said, and I actually asked her that. She said, "Well, it's kind of impractical." I said, "Yeah, I'm not, I'm not talking about this realistically, but don't you find it interesting that uh, in any other country, a person who is being persecuted by the government for saying the government was stolen would get political asylum in this country, but our own president of the United States, who really is the president right now." If he says the government was stolen, he gets persecuted by the people who stole the government. <laughs> you know? And, and uh, it's like, so it's not a crime to steal the government. It's a crime to say that the government was stolen. That, to me, is fascinating. And people are like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yep. Well, there's no proof that uh, oh. Trump won the election. There's mountains of proof. Oh, there's no proof of election fraud. There's mountains of proof. You just haven't looked at it, people. <laughs> you know, that's the answer to that. Anyway, go ahead. What do you think? Yeah, I was just going to say I was just going to say that that's actually the telltale sign uh, in the beginning, middle, and end of a uh, banana republic. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Do you know Everything that that's from? happened in the past like five years is uh, this is a banana republic. Uh, yeah. If you are going to not only I, it's okay to say that your opposition wasn't elected legitimately, you should challenge that. Everybody should challenge it all the time. I mean, remember Bob Dole? Remember mm-hmm. Al Gore? I remember Bob Dole. Bob Dole used to talk about Bob Dole, spoke about himself in the third president. I'm Bob Dole. I'm running for president. Remember Al Gore? <laughs> Mr. Excitement? <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, but yeah, everybody should be able to challenge it to the last legal ramification. You should be mm-hmm. annoying as hell. If you're running for president, you should challenge it and be annoying. No, I mean, I am Spartacus moment. In fact, every Republican gelding to to prove that they're actually, you know, uh, you know, have their gonads should be getting up and saying, yes, the election was stolen, but they're not doing it. There should have been. And I had another article I wrote for Substack, which is why you should read my Substack. Greg Pengles about Substack.com is that all the reasons I'm not going to vote Republican, I'll vote for Trump, but I'm not voting for Republicans unless they have. Uh, and I had a series of things they needed. One, and one of the, the, the first one was a, a House Select Committee on the stolen 2020 election. They have to hold hearings on this. And they haven't even done that. that. That should have been done day one. They should be already well into their hearings, you know, and, uh, but they're not. You know, uh, that's a problem. But here's the bigger problem is the budget. Let's talk about the budget for a bit. Uh, I think there are, what, seven or maybe eight legislative days left before the, uh, the current budget runs out, which is the way they do it every time. Yeah, no, this, but, but no, the uh-huh. the reason that they're bringing these indictments back to back is because of the time frame. Um, Trump was a thorn in their side. He wasn't supposed to win in 2016. So what is it about Trump? What's different about Trump than every other politician? Because the, the media is quite happy with uh, John McCain, Mitt Romney. You know, they complain about the Republicans, but they don't do but they don't go after them to the extent that they go after Trump. They didn't go, even go after Newt Gingrich to the extent that they went after Trump. What is it about Trump? That Trump what, did, what did he do that was different? Trump had no intention of taking outside funding for his campaigns. He wasn't worried about funding for his next campaign, so he just did what he wanted to do when he was president. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean, though, when you don't take funding? What does that mean? When you, don't, when you, when you are dependent on funding – you're going mm-hmm. to do what the people funding you want you to do. Exactly. And you aren't dependent on funding. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying this is stuff that people need to understand. You right. know, That's I don't want billionaires to run the, the country. Answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that billionaires should run the country or anything. I'm just saying that Trump, running, when he was running the country before the pandemic, mm-hmm. that guy had stuff rolling. We were doing very well. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a weird premonition sometime in 2018, and I was thinking to myself before the before the House was stolen um, from the Republicans, even though they won the election. People forget the Republicans won the House in 2018 when the Democrats brought in truckloads of ballots, uh, overturned seven seats in California, and the Republicans let them. You know, Republicans are like uh, like an abused spouse <laughs> that keeps getting beaten up and says, you know, and comes back for more. That's that's what it reminds me of. And of course, that is the first one is a tragic condition. The second one that the Republicans do it. Uh, it's a it's 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 preventable condition. We just need to get, you know, get real Republicans in there. But that's the problem. They refuse to act in the interest of their party and the country. You know, they're useless. They're, they're worse than useless. They're actually a hindrance to our progress. Democrats are just pure evil. I would I would, uh, you know, in fact, oh, here's a question for you. Remember the 14th Amendment debate? 
that uh, some leftist extremists are saying that Trump can't run because he caused an insurrection. And therefore, the 14th Amendment says because he caused an insurrection uh, and a rebellion that he can't run for, for office ever. Have you heard that? Yeah, I'm happy to talk about that. Um, the situation that happened, the okay. situation happened, and then they looked for a reason to make mm-hmm. it impossible for him to run again. And mm-hmm. so they tried. They looked through the lawfare, and they found the word insurrection. And then, yeah, no, they weren't talking about insurrection until that day. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's follow this through. So an insurrection is the overthrow of a government, is putting somebody in the government who didn't win the election. So who did that? The Democrats in 2020. And? I cannot say anything because as much as my front door is fortified, I am not prepared for it to be stormed. No, okay, well, that's fine. I'm kidding. The answer is the Republicans. It was the Democrats and Republicans known as the deep state. They're the ones that, that allowed the coup to happen. It happened on January 6th under the Capitol. And the whole reason that they needed Trump supporters up top walking around taking selfies, you know, within the, the, the velvet ropes, right, which is where most of them were, you know, and being given tours, you know, uh, the guy in the, in the, it's the crazy outfit. It's important to understand that most of Trump supporters were mm-hmm. not anywhere near Washington, D.C. that day. Oh, yeah, millions were not. I Tens I of millions. I like protests. I, I, I don't I like know. I, I know, care. right? It's an unnecessary yeah. health hazard. I know. But yeah, because stuff happens at protests. People get hurt. I know. And I don't you think like they're effective anyway. You like your teeth anyway. in your mouth. Great. Well, yeah. Your problem is you like your teeth in your mouth. That's your problem. Exactly, yes. I don't want my face banged up and uh, beaten by face. Well, people died, but they died because of the police. Uh, Rosalind, uh, Roseanne Boylan died. She was beaten to death. Uh, and Ashley Babbitt was assassinated by uh, Michael J. Byrd, police uh, Police yeah, we should Hill probably Police. do something about that. That's a later conversation. Well, that's going to happen. I mean, like I say, a lot of things are going to change when Trump you know, gets back in. And hopefully we'll appoint Michael J. Flynn uh, as attorney general. <laughs> that's where the fun really begins. I um, want Larry Elder to be attorney general. Why Larry Elder? Because that man is a monster. He doesn't care anymore. He's already been called the black face of white supremacy in California. He's already been an Esquire, I'm sorry, an attorney. He's already done it. He's already called out the nonsense for decades. I want that guy, yeah, I want that guy to start stomping heads, man. I want him to, I want him to be the guy that's out there just like, uh, you're done, you're done, you're done. I want him to start pointing people out and just like, <laughs> whatever you mm-hmm. thought you were doing, that's done now. I want and Larry Elder be, to be that guy. How do you be the black face of white supremacy? <laughs> I, uh, I love be that a black Republican in California. Right. So, so if you're the yep. black face of white supremacy, is somebody the white face of black supremacy? I mean, I'm just curious. <laughs> Does it work both Yeah, ways? his name is Justin Trudeau. And Justin Trudeau's he's, the, well, he's, just, yeah, he's, he's just the white guy wearing blackface, and yeah, white supremacy is probably right behind him. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. But now, as, as we have talked about on the show, white supremacy, you know, people, when people think about that, they think of white people oppressing everybody else. That's not what white supremacy really is. And if you think about it, the reason that Larry Elder, being black, can be labeled a white supremacist is, be, and this is explained to me very clearly, uh, it was a great revelation by Dr. Peter Pratt, 
um, who was taken from us, you know, a year ago. So he died in August of last year from, I believe, a COVID shot. Uh, he had cancer, which was in remission. It was going away. He had a COVID shot, and six months later, he's dead. And I really miss him because he was great for the show. And he, was a, he, was a, he was a close friend. Never met him. Um, you know, in fact, I, we, uh, we talked. The only time I ever heard it was his voice here and emails and stuff like that. But one of the things he explained, and it's always going to stay with me, is that white supremacy is not white people. It's the thoughts that came out of, you know, white guys, you know, a few hundred years ago from Magna Carta uh, to Adam Smith with the free market um, to the ideas of Cromwell all the way through, you know, modern constitutional monarchies to, to republics, everything like that. So everybody that thought of, of, of individual rights, Jefferson, you know, uh, but it started in England and it basically started with English white guys uh, who, uh, which is interesting because the opposition were the German and Austrian white guys, you know, Karl Marx who created communism. So that was the, that was the exact opposite, but the British, tradition of common law, of rights from God, of individual rights, of limiting the government of a republic, those original, and although Britain still has subjects, not citizens, but that original idea, that, that idea that the individual is supreme over the government, that individual rights are supreme over the government, that is, in, a, in essence, white supremacy, because it's op opposite of communism. So communism is where the government is supreme over the people. So the idea of white supremacy is not white people oppressing other people. That's what they want you to think. But the real idea of white supremacy is the supremacy of the idea of individual rights and the individual being empowered over the government, that the government operates with the consent of the governed. And that's what we exercise here. We exercise a situation where anybody can write a bill and give their consent to be governed by writing the laws by which they are governed. That's the mission statement of the show. And so, in, in effect, you know, we are, we are that same example of the supremacy of the individual. But they just use the excuse that it came from white people because it did. It was white guys that wrote all this stuff down, that, uh, that documented, that, that uh, created the ideas of the individual, uh, that rights are God-given. The government can neither create nor destroy rights. But that's what they talk about as supremacy. It's the supremacy of the idea of individual rights, freedom, and liberty. That's, the, that's what they're trying to destroy. And the cover is that it's white people oppressing black people and everybody else. Make sense? Yeah, I, I think that's a lot different than if uh, white and black people grew up together, you know. <laughs> well, because white and black that's people grew up together in this country all the time. Uh, you know, I, mean, I you know, know, I know. You're, you're surrounded by every probably race and, you know, I mean, in San Francisco, uh, there were no majorities. And we did fine. I know, but yeah. I'm just saying that's that's the beauty of it is um mm -hmm. no, I, I, I would never in my lifetime mm -hmm. Oh, that's I that's actually ridiculous. If well, that, we're probably if that the most, actually We're probably the most racially mixed country. I'm in fact, I'm sure we're the most racially mixed country in the world. People have commented, I remember someone was uh, talking about the Olympics. You know, and Japan walks in and they all look Japanese and India walks in and they all look Indian, you know, and uh Kenya walks in and they all look Kenyan. And America walks in and they look like everybody because, <laughs> you know, you got white and black and Asian, you know, you got every, every Native American. You got You're everybody. telling me they all look like Scandinavian or uh, Nigerian. <laughs> well, yeah, no, but the, the Swedish Olympic team is blonde haired and blue eyed, you know, pretty much without exception, unless they have immigrants. And, you know, they're, the, and they're uh, probably a little bit more adorable than the rest of us. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that, but, you know, I, I imagine the Kenyan team is like 99 percent black unless you have white Kenyans. 
you know, I imagine that uh, the French team is white. The Japanese team is, you know, Japanese Asian, you know. So, but the thing is that every no. nationality looks very similar, um, except for the United States. The United States Olympic team is all over the place. So we are the most, so to say that there's, you know, white supremacy in a nation that is the most racially diverse in the world has to be a political basis as opposed to a reality bit because of the reality is we we are the most racially mixed country in the world. So yeah. where does the supremacy yes, come America from? So how, if we're the most racially mixed country, color. go ahead, say it again, I'm sorry. I, I was saying that America does not have a skin color. It's an ideology where Absolutely. we are supposed to come together regardless of skin tone, regardless of beliefs, and we come together under one banner, and that is the yeah. American flag. And we're starting to, to lose that. Yeah, but I've yet to find the word white uh, in any of the founding documents. Hey, you see white on the flag. No, I'm kidding. And then you see <laughs> red and blue. And they The three most common colors in flags is red, white, and blue. The British have it, the French have it. You know, it is the most common combination of colors of any flag anywhere in the world is red, white, and blue. So that's, that's nothing unusual. You know, just, that's just life. That's the way it works. But think about it. So, so the idea that white people in this country can be supreme over everybody else is kind of absurd. It's kind of funny, actually, to think that people think that there's that much power for a racial group. Now, the South did have segregation. I'm not saying it didn't happen. Obviously, it did. Democrats are responsible for that. Let me come back to the 14th Amendment, which is where I wanted to go with this originally anyway. So these wackos are saying that President Trump can't run for office because he was responsible for an insurrection. And the people that say that are the ones who are actually responsible for the insurrection and the coup. So there was only one. But even so, the, you know, the Trump supporters with their cell phones could not overthrow the U.S. government. That's laughable. That's hysterical. But that's what they're saying. But let's talk about who really could have overthrown the U.S. government. What is the only time in our history that the U.S. government could have been overthrown? What was the only time in U.S. history that our mm-hmm. government could have been overthrown? There was, a re- there was an insurrection and a rebellion that could have overthrown the U.S. government. What was that? A little history trivia here. Uh, that would have been... They almost took D.C. during the Revolutionary... I mean, sorry, the uh, Civil War, right? Civil War, exactly. So the Civil War was our insurrection and rebellion. The southern states seceded or tried to secede from the Union. So they tried to not only destroy the government, they tried to destroy the Union, and they took up arms. The Confederate states took up arms against the Union states. Which party were the Confederate states? Which party was the Confederacy? All right, let me go ahead and tap my feet here. Let me go ahead and get some blood flow. Um, the Union <laughs> was the first Republican uh, president oh. that was elected. His name was Abraham Lincoln. Right. And uh, the Confederacy was the uh, the Democratic South. Exactly. The Robert Democrats. Lee. Right. So the Democrats were the party of slavery. The Democrats were in the state governments that allowed for slavery. The Democrats were the insurrection and rebellion of the Civil War. The Democrats created the Ku Klux Klan and created segregation. Hey, don't you tell them about Jim Crow. Well, that too. Okay. But here's the point. The only rebellion, insurrection, that could have overthrown 
the U.S. government, in other words, the, the Union government, the Washington government, the federal government, was the Democrat Confederacy. Therefore, the 14th Amendment, if it prevents anybody from running for office, it prevents the Democrat Party because they were responsible for the insurrection and rebellion. So the Democrat Party, by the 14th Amendment, should have been abolished at the end of the Civil War. Ooh, how's that for a thought? That's actually a reasonable assessment of the actual mm-hmm. terms. Yeah, that, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. So had the Democrat Party been abolished at the end of the Civil War, as at, when the 14th Amendment was created, what would our country look like today? I'm pretty sure we would have hovercrafts. <laughs> well, it'd be a lot freer. <laughs> now, another party might have risen up to uh, to take uh, their place. The, probably the of Communist course, Party would have risen up. We had the Whig Party, and we had a bunch of different parties. Yeah, another uh-huh. party yeah. would have risen up, right. of course. But the Democrat Party, yeah. as a, because of the Confederacy, the Democrat Party, which was responsible for the rebellion uprising and taking up arms against the United States – bars them from office ever because of the 14th Amendment. I bet you haven't heard that argument before. No, I have actually heard that argument before. <laughs> what? That's actually I, as far as I know, argument. I'm the only one making it. Who else has made that argument? Me. Okay. Did you hear it here, or did you think of it on your own? Uh, no, I'm, I'm actually very annoying. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> oh, I know you're annoying, but that's okay. That's why I like having you on the show. Oh, Okay. <laughs> We're, We're all on the annoying. Same page. No, I, oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. I, but no, you're good I, annoying. You know, if you're bad annoying, you wouldn't you. be on. I wouldn't give you an hour, but you're good annoying. So I like hearing from I, you every I once appreciate while. that. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, Representing the, the youth of I, America as you do. The youth of America. Yeah, I'm over here at YMCA. I don't have the YMCA. Oh, YMCA. <laughs> that's a great topic, too. YMCA. Now, they played at every Trump rally, right? YMCA? Okay. Go on. Who... <laughs> have you ever listened to the words of YMCA? I am. Yes, I have. <laughs> okay. Who's saying? Who who wrote the song YMCA? I I don't know. I, I am not going to say it's the village people. Is it, it is the, the village people? people? It's the village people. It's the village. And what is the what is the sexual orientation of the village people? They put stuff that shouldn't go places into places that stuff shouldn't go. It's, they're gay. Okay, let's just say it. I don't know if oh, the whole okay. village people... Yeah, been... I know. I'm over here for the kids. <laughs> well, kid, listen, any kid that listens to this show, they deserve what they get. I don't... Uh, this is an adult <laughs> show. This show is geared for adults. Although we do have a teenage reporter, you know, uh, um, but uh, that's okay because she's pretty tough and smart. So I don't, I don't hold anything back from her either. Um, but yeah, that's Brianna who's on Tuesdays. But as far as kids listening, if parents let their kids listen to the show, then, the, you know, then, hey, listen, the kids get drag queens at school at the age of five. So, that, you know, this is nothing. So, I'm the, so village, angry the village people, that, but, the village people, yes. one of my favorite bands of all time. OK, they were fabulous. And, uh, you know, they all dressed up in costumes. You had the cop. You had the Indian. <laughs> I'm sure the Native Americans loved that. <laughs> you had the Indian. You had the construction guy. Who else did you? They, they all had like stereotype, you know, men. <laughs> So these were these were men, and they had the biker dude, and they had something. Anyway, so the Village People were classic San Francisco band of the '80s, and they wrote a song YMCA. What was the YMCA known for? The Young Men's Christian Association. What did they get known for? Are you asking me, or are you telling me? No, I'm asking you. What was the YMCA known for? They were known for uh, athletics for youths. 
What it else? Nothing to do with nothing to do with anything terrible. Oh wait a minute! There were YMCA hotels. I actually stayed at one. Oh, YMCA has cheap hotel rooms. They do, and men who traveled back in the probably from the turn of the century, you know, through later on, uh, would stay if they didn't have a lot of money. They would stay at a YMCA. If they were members of the YMCA, they could stay at a YMCA hotel. I stayed at one in Chicago. You got a big one there. Yeah. Who, I know. Now this is before I knew this. In fact, I found out uh, from a gay guy. But why? Greg's out here admitting his sins. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't sin at all. Are you kidding? <laughs> Some guy came up to me and said, "Are you gay too?" I said, "No, I'm a straight guy." So why are you staying at the YMCA? Because it was cheap. You know, this is when I found out that, that the YMCA <laughs> is, a, is a known hangout for gay men. Who knew? I didn't know. I was like 20-something, you know, traveling around the country. This is back in 87, 88. Uh, I think it was 87. Uh, I, I, I took uh, three months off, and I traveled the country by train. One of the places I ended was Chicago. Uh, I stayed for a little over a week. Uh, it was great. It was fabulous. I, there was a big air show. Some B-52 flew over Lake Michigan. You know, I walked the whole of uh, the, 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 the million-dollar mile and all that other kind of stuff. Went to Mama's Bar and did all the Chicago things. Ate Chicago pizza. Had a great time. But I'm on my own. I'm a single guy. I'm running around, right? But, but I was staying at the YMCA, and I, I didn't know that that was a known, you know, gay meeting place. But it was hysterical. Then I found out. <laughs> I said, I think I'll go to Motel, Motel 6 from now on. <laughs> Maybe youth hostels. Uh, yeah, gay guys, you, you can do what you want. It's Ho- fine. Holiday don't ask me. You know, for, the re- okay. for the rest of your life, Holiday Inn or something adjacent. Well, exactly, yeah. No, Motel 6. I like Motel 6. I stayed at them across the country. So a little, little plug for Motel 6. And as I moved from California to Florida, I discovered Waffle House, another great uh, institution in this country. But anyway, the point is that the YMCA is known as a place where gay men stay. Okay. Now that I know that, you know. But uh, so this is why that song is so funny. Young men. You know, you can get yourself clean. You can uh, be with all the boys. You can do whatever you feel. Read the words to YMCA. It's a gay anthem for meeting at the YMCA. And all these straight people have been singing this for years. And I'm just laughing my ass off because I actually know the lyrics. I know the song. I know where it came from. What's that? straight person is singing that song? I'm sorry. Well, that's where we're getting. This is where we're coming to. Who plays YMCA at the end of every rally? Uh, are you familiar with the Tibetan monk? No, we'll get to the Tibetan monks in a minute. Who plays YMCA at the end of every rally? Come on. I'm not doing it. Donald Trump does. Okay. <laughs> Donald Trump plays YMCA at the end of his rallies. Okay. Now, does he know that YMCA from the village people is a, is a gay anthem for young men to stay at the YMCA and meet other men? Now, there's nothing wrong with that song. First- What's that? He was just, the first president to acknowledge all the gay stuff yeah. in his inaugural address. What did he say? He said, we support the LGBT, blah, 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 because it, it's ever expanding. Well, you know, and in my position is pretty, pretty simple. You know, it's like people live and let live, do what you want to do, but don't force your political agenda on me. Like, I don't want to force my political agenda on anybody else. It's voluntary. You accept it or you don't. But I'm not I'm not using pressure groups to uh, to do this. I'm certainly not indoctrinating kids, uh, and that's the problem yes. I have. It's, it's it's not gay folks that I have a problem with. It's the gay agenda, the the leftist gay political agenda that I have a problem with, as I would have a problem with any leftist agenda. 
So it's not, it's not that it's gay that it makes it a problem. It's a problem that it's a leftist political agenda that makes it a problem. But the interesting thing is that Donald Trump plays YMCA and all, all these conservative people dance to this song and they have no idea what they're doing. It's so funny. It just cracks me up every time. I used to do tours. I, you know, I told you I drove duck boats, right? You know the duck boats? Drive on land, go into the water? Yeah. Okay. So coming back into Fisherman's Wharf, We'd always play YMCA, and people would be standing up and dancing in the aisles, right? We're not going that fast, so it's, it's okay. Um, so you're not supposed to stand up when you're driving, but we're doing like five miles an hour. It's not like we're going very fast and usually in traffic. And we'd be playing it loud, and we'd dance, and everybody would be like dancing on the street corners with us. And they'd be dancing on the sidewalks, and everybody's going, YMCA, and putting hands up. And I'm just laughing, <laughs> especially playing YMCA in San Francisco. It's hysterical. It just is. So that's what we did. Kind of fun, huh? <laughs> Thank you, Greg. I learned a lot today. Well, that's the idea. All right. Well, let me let you go, and uh, let, let me see if you have any closing thoughts or, or, or future projections of what you think might happen uh, as time goes on. Then I'm going to take another break, and then I'll play my interview. I've got um, a classic WBY interview from 2017 with Mark Meckler, uh, who is head of the Convention of States. And this is something that Pianchi and I debate all the time. He thinks it's a good idea. Uh, I think the proposals are a good idea, but I don't think they should be in the Convention of States because that could very quickly become a constitutional convention, and then everything's up for grabs. And there's a lot of us that feel the same way. So that's an ongoing debate. Support the, 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 the projects that they're doing, but they should be individual amendments to the Constitution. You don't need a Convention of States to do it. Anyway, that's my, that's my – so that'll be, the, that'll be after we're done. So last thoughts? Anything uh, on your mind to, to close today's discussion? First of all, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. No, I, I think the Convention of States um, will be beneficial in a lot of accounts of what we're experiencing right now. I think that uh, it would be better if we took a lot of the things that are controversial and we took them on state levels so that we could bicker about them mm-hmm. locally. And I would be more than happy to have that be locally confronted instead of a federal mandate on really anything that I don't like my neighbors doing. But I'm about to move to another state, so what do I know? Do you want to disclose which one yet, or or is that that classified? Um, It's either going to be Missouri, Kansas, or Iowa. I'm pretty sure it's going to be Missouri. Okay. Oh, you can go talk to Pianchi. He's in Missouri. I will never. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you might be neighbors. What if Pianchi's your neighbor? What if you move next to Pianchi? Oh, I would love it? that. I would love Wouldn't that. Wouldn't that be great? Hey, hey. Does he love, hey, steak? Does he love steak and chicken? I Probably. He's a regular American dude. No, I, I, I'm, I'm moving... I intend on moving where I'm moving because I have access to five uh, cities. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Uh, I'm surprised I live near the water. I've always lived near water. I lived in Boston and San Francisco, and now I'm here in Milton, uh, which is near Pensacola. I'm on the Gulf of Mexico. So I've either been on the Atlantic Ocean, the Pacific Ocean, or the Gulf of Mexico. So I, I'm, I'm a water person. Love to be near water. Apparently, most people do, too. Most people live within 10 miles of the ocean. And that is why... Oh no! That, did I say that like uh, if, if stuff goes down terribly, uh, the people that live near water, because people that live near water are major population centers, mm-hmm. and uh, when stuff goes down, it's going to go down the worst around major population centers. Yeah, but this is not a major population center. Pensacola is small. 
It's only a few hundred thousand people. It's not that. It's not big. The closest big city I know is New Pensacola. Orleans. I lived in Florida. Oh, okay. Yeah. New Orleans is the closest big city. Uh, and then probably Tallahassee the other way and maybe Nashville to the north. Those are the big cities. On that, we're just happy as clams here <laughs> in our little Gulf Coast. All right, Josh. Happy as clams. Exactly. All right, buddy. Take care. Get out of here. All right. Thanks for calling this morning. I appreciate it. No problem, buddy. All right. So Josh from Illinois, soon to be somewhere else. We don't know where yet. It's an undisclosed book. Well, we'll, we'll figure out what to say. I'm sure he'll call and let us know. So it's now 8.08. I'm going to take a quick break here, and then I'm going to come back with uh, with an interview that I recorded back in 2017 that uh, I want to get Mark McElroy back. So this is part of my WEBY podcasting, all those shows that uh, otherwise would never be heard again, uh, which is why I like uh, doing them. And it's interesting, the ideas that I had back in 2017 really haven't changed that much. Uh, they're just actual bills now. And so that's, I think, is, is kind of fascinating. If you ever listen to yourself, you know, from years previously, it's, uh, it's kind of an interesting experience. Anyway, we'll be right back. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grave Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gravecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gravecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force so our listeners get a 20% discount. 
All you do is add our code, W-Y-L, to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Dangerously cool. <laughs> so much fun with those. <laughs> I got to get more into the production stuff. So I've been uh, busy lately trying to uh, remove the various hacks from my website from all those that are trying to sabotage us, which means we're doing the right thing. So somebody's noticing. Someone's trying to uh, to limit uh, people's access to our legislation. So I know we're uh, we're definitely on the right track here, and uh, it's just a matter of time before we break through the censorship. Everybody knows what we're doing. <laughs> then then that's going to be a very interesting uh, world uh, once we uh, once we get to, uh, to take care of that. All right, so let's go back to WBY. So as folks uh, that may not know, uh, my first job in radio, my first full time job, was at WEBY 13:30 a.m. Uh, Milton, Florida, and I got the job uh, by calling up, pretending I was a local caller, even though the boss knew what I was doing. But I sort of simulate being a caller. And this, this happened. I started doing this about a month after open heart surgery. <laughs> you know, so I'm like dying, right? So I'm hauling myself up to my desk and I'm, uh, you know, I'm getting on uh, – and, and this is in California. I was in uh, um, Oakland at the time. So San Francisco Bay Area. And so I'm calling in. And then after the phone call, I just die. I get like go collapse and, you know, uh, back down and go, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. But I try to sound perfectly normal during the calls. Anyway, so Mike the boss got to, to know me. And it worked out well. And then he calls me up about three, uh, three months later. So it's four months after open heart surgery. And says, Greg, uh, you want to be the morning host? I went, hell yeah. <laughs> this is when? He says, in two weeks. Okay. <laughs> so I packed up, you know, moved out. And, of course, I'm still recovering from surgery, right? And so it was the dumbest and best thing I've ever done in my life at the age of 56. Uh, 50, no, I was 57 at that point. So I came out to uh, uh, Florida. Never been here. Never, you know, didn't never met the boss. Never done a full time radio show. Never done a morning show. Never done anything. And it just, I just started doing it. So that's that's how life, my life is. I don't, I don't care if I've never done it. I just start doing it anyway. So uh, that was quite fascinating too. So anyway, um, there was a, a a wonderful series of interviews that I was able to do over the course of a year and four months before the station was bought uh, and everybody was fired. And uh, one of those ones I got to do. Uh, this happened. Let me see if I can get my let me pull up my exact one here. Just keep scroll, scroll, scroll. 
this is the uh, Confederate, uh, no, Confederate, excuse me, the um, Convention of States. So this would have been August 3rd, August 3rd of 2017. So it was about six years ago um, last month. So August 3rd, 2017, uh, with Mark Meckler, who is the head of the Convention of States. He's a much bigger public figure now. But at the time, uh, he was still fairly, uh, I don't know if he was as big as he was. Anyway, we were able to get him for the show. And so I, I'm just going to let it, uh, how much time are Where is that one? Let me just move it up here so I get the right thing. So, yeah, about 45 minutes. So I've got to get this started now because CJ is going to be here at the top of the hour. So, again, if you hear WEBY or six-something phone number or any reference to anything other than, you know, Action Radio and our number here, 215-383-3832, that's that's the recording. So these wonderful podcasts uh, that I'm able to present, I I just love some of the interviews I was able to do there at WEBY. And this one was one of the good ones. And I'll be back at the top of the hour with CJ. Well, it's the first time this happened for a while. Our guest is not on the line. We've tried, we're, we're uh, tried calling, we've tried calling uh, someone to you know help him out, and uh, we don't have a guest yet. So uh, we're just going to go on. Uh, oh, the lines are open. <laughs> this is one of those times when you sort of think, okay, well now what should we do? So it's uh, phone number six two three thirteen thirty, area code eight five zero six two three thirteen thirty. I think one of the more fun things to talk about is the, the, the news story I just had. Should felons, um, when they get out of prison, have the right to vote again? Do you want uh, do you want a felon voting block? Do you think that's a good idea? And so we shall. Well, wait. You know what? We just got to call. Let's see if this is our guest. Uh, you know, better late than never. That's the way we can handle it. Is that our guest? I'll tell you what. Let's uh, let's give him a little intro music, and we shall continue on. There we go. He is the co-founder of the Convention of States Project. He is co-founder of the Tea Party Patriots. He is president of Citizens for Self-Governance. He is a lawyer and political activist by profession. Please welcome my guest, Mark Meckler. There we go. All right, Mark, you have me going for a minute. I was hoping, I thought we were going to we have to go on without you. That was oh, no fun. I apologize. We have construction here at the house, and they unplugged all the phones. So <laughs> struggling to get a phone. That's the best reason I've ever heard. I like that. That's good stuff. It's a nightmare. Yeah, well, are you okay to talk now? Yeah, we're good. I just came out the door. Okay, perfect. All right, so let's get right into it. Um, convention of States. We're going to start with the basic stuff. I want to go through your website of the, the problems, the solution, and the, the tactics. I've got a bunch of things. I've got my own ideas for what I think would be interesting for a Convention of States. But let's get people caught up first of all. What is it? What are you doing? Sure. Well, you know, this is one of the most basic ideas of federalism. We have a federalist system. That's a system where the power is divided between the federal government and the state government. The founders knew when they drafted the Constitution that ultimately federalism has one serious inherent problem, and that is that centralized power always seeks more power. So they knew that the federal government would grow and grow and grow, and they knew that probably eventually things would get out of balance, and we would need a way as citizens in the states to fix that. So they inserted in Article 5 of the Constitution the second clause, which will around Congress, bypass the president, bypass the courts, and propose amendments to the Constitution specifically intended to restrain federal tyranny. 
That's what we're doing right now. It takes a resolution in both houses of 34 states to call the convention. So far, 12 states, over one-third of the necessary states, have called for that convention, and we're well on our way to getting 34. So that's the basics of the process. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, do you have the 12 states handy that have... uh that have already ratified oh, so you're this? going to put me on the spot. Florida... Oh, you, you have no idea. <laughs> no, no, I have a pretty good idea. I usually miss one or two when I try and rattle them. No, no I'm going to put you on the spot, absolutely. But, no uh, problem. But, it's Florida, going to be, Georgia, but don't worry about it. Yeah, go ahead. Florida, Georgia, Alaska, Alabama, Indiana, Tennessee, Oklahoma, uh, Louisiana, Missouri, Texas. I missed two. See, this is what I was no, no, I was, only I was doing, the reason I want to do this, I was looking for a pattern. As I, I break up the world into patterns. And so I was curious to see if states like California, New York, Connecticut, No, you're not going to see any of the really left-leaning states in there. Yeah. Why, why is that? Well, I, you know, I think there's a couple of reasons, and I think it's changing. I think the very first reason is, I'm from California, by the way, so I can speak to California rather. Yeah, I spent 30 years in the Bay Area. I just moved to Florida. so yeah. Oh, not, not far away. I'm up in the foothills in Grass Valley, California. Oh, nice. So here's the deal about California. California is all my friends from the left in California, and I have plenty of them. Mm-hmm. I've never heard one of them even mention the Constitution. <laughs> I've probably never read it. <laughs> well, you know, literally it's not, it's not a thing on the left. Yeah. I know that sounds strange, and I'm just talking political reality. They just don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of using the Constitution in any way is just not something they think about. I think, honestly, the left in America hasn't thought about the Constitution since the 1960s, really, Well, the free speech movement. What's, it's interesting that the courts have so taken over and, quote, interpreted the Constitution, which to me is, is unconstitutional itself, because judicial review is a power they were never expected to have. And I want to bring the, ju- the judiciary back to a pre-Marbury versus Madison state. And that's one of the things I want to talk about in a bit on some of my ideas for, for your convention. But that they don't have to talk about the Constitution because they can always go to the courts and have the I courts totally say whatever they want. Yeah, I totally agree with that. But, I mean, I'm just even talking regular folks. They hmm. just don't think about it. And so even among regular folks on the right, anybody who's politically aware at all, the Constitution is central to their thinking. Okay. And so it hasn't been to the left. It is becoming so with the election of Trump. I mean, we're now hearing a quote-unquote new federalism on the left. In California, people are talking about actually seceding from the union, right? Well, 31% of Californians say we should secede. In fact, that effort uh, just got certified as a ballot measure. So I think it's really incredible, and I welcome my friends on the left to federalism because I don't think that President Donald Trump in a Republican Congress nor President Obama in a Democratic Congress should be telling the people in the states what to do on the vast majority of issues. Oh, yeah, a couple things. One, I heard that Obamacare, uh, 40% of the money goes to four states, uh, California, New York, I think, Massachusetts, and Maryland, and, you know, highly Democrat states. So that was rigged from the beginning. The other thing is, um, are you familiar with Katie Grimes, who was my guest yesterday? She's I am not. Okay, she's an investigative reporter in uh, uh, Sacramento and okay. does a lot of work, uh, writes for Canada Free Press like I do, and uh, is very much in tune with the California things. And she has a new book coming out, California's War, uh, with uh, President Trump. So I'm gonna, I'll get you some contact information for each other. I would love to, yeah. Yeah, I think you find it interesting. Well, you know, California, you mentioned something interesting. There's a stat here. I'm not exactly sure this is a, the, the exact numbers today, but as of about two years ago, we had... 12% of the nation's population here in California, big state, mm-hmm. 37% of the nation's welfare recipients. So that's why you have so much Obamacare money going here. You have so yeah. much welfare money of every kind coming here because of the size of the welfare population in California. And potentially a million illegal voters. 
Yeah, I mean, it's really incredible. The, the state is a mess. Yep. You know, you said you escaped to Florida. I'm literally, the reason that there's construction going on at the house is we're getting the house ready for sale because we're moving to Texas. Oh, good for you. You know, if you're a rational person, it's hard to stay in California. I don't mean to slam my friends who are staying. Most of them who are staying wish they could leave. Yeah. The problem is you can't win. No, you cannot win. It, no. There's just too much opposition. Uh, it has changed so much. But uh, I want to get back to the Convention of States um, sure. because I'm, I'm trying, I'm looking, I got Article 5 right in front of me here. So it starts off the Congress, whenever two-thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary, et cetera, et cetera. Where's the part where it says the states? It's the second paragraph or the second clause, very short clause there, Article 5, but the second one is aimed okay. at the states. Okay. And, okay, we'll go over, I'm going to read this in a little bit. But uh, I think people get confused between uh, a constitutional convention where everything they say is thrown wide open. Uh, and I heard you talk about this on another show, so I'm curious to do that. And a convention of states, which is different than a constitutional convention. Can you clear that up? Sure. You know, I'm going to, you have to forgive me because I'm a lawyer, so I'm going to delve a little bit into the legal parlance here. I do it all the time, and I'm not a lawyer, so there you go. Don't, well, don't worry about it. Okay, so the, the language matters, especially when you're dealing with the law, the language of the law really, really matters. The ultimate law of the land is the Constitution, so the mm -hmm. words in the Constitution really matter in the language we use. So a constitutional convention is what's called in legal parlance a plenipotentiary convention, which means all-powerful. Okay. It means they do anything they want. So in other words, if you were starting a new country and you wanted to draft a constitution and a convention, mm -hmm. you would hold a plenipotentiary convention. Everything's on the table. You've got a clean slate. You do whatever you want to do. Right. In 1787 in the United States, we had a plenipotentiary convention. The states sent delegates. The delegates in their commissions had something that said they had any and all power necessary to render the Constitution adequate. Anything. Mm -hmm. Whatever they wanted to do. Yeah. And so that was plenipotentiary. So that's what they did. They drafted a new Constitution instead of amending the Articles of Confederation. Article 5, an Article 5 convention or a convention of states, operates under the auspices of Article 5 of the United States Constitution. That means it is part of the Constitution, it operates under the Constitution and within the framework of that Constitution. So okay. that's really the difference. You can't throw out the whole Constitution because you're operating under the Constitution. Hmm. And you're, it's a, there's different kinds of convention of states. I think you talked about a, a subject matter one, that's the one this one is. How, how, what kind of different kinds of conventions can there be? Sure. You know, there have been over 400 applications for a convention of states in American history. Hmm. That, those applications need to aggregate to 34, another legal term. What that means is they need to be the same. You need 34 of them or two-thirds of the states have the same application or uh, you don't okay. get a convention. And so we've had 400 on a myriad of subjects, some of them as broad as just saying we should hold a convention, which is what's called an open convention, or that, that might even be a plenipotentiary convention. We don't want that. We definitely do not want that. <laughs> And then some of them very limited, proposing a specific amendment where the language is contained in the application. That's mm -hmm. a specific amendment application. And then there's our type, which is what's called a subject matter application. That means we think there are three subjects that need to be discussed in order to restrain the federal government. Okay. Those subjects are all specifically enumerated in the resolutions in every state where they're being proposed. They are the subject matter area three. One is fiscal restraints on the federal government. Mm -hmm. The second is scope and jurisdictional restraints on the federal government. And the third is term limits for federal officials. Uh, that would include Congress, but importantly to me, and you discussed the authority of the courts, but I think tenure of the courts matters. So it would be limiting the terms of the federal judiciary, including the Supreme Court. Yeah, that's the only place I'd really be in favor of uh, of term limits because for for me, I'm thinking, you know, you can have one corrupt person in for 40 years, you can have two corrupt people for 20 years, four corrupt people for 10 years, you know, or eight corrupt people for five years. What's the difference? Well, the, here is the difference: it's, it takes time to build power. 
in in a legislative body. It takes okay. time to get corrupt in a legislative body. Most people who go to the legislature, and I've been all over the country now, 41 states in the last two years, hmm. most of them, I would argue, go with the best of intentions. When they go, of course, not everybody. Yeah. You know, we've got some of the, the evil movie villains that go, but the reality <laughs> is... Most yeah, I saw Mr. Smith goes to Washington. I, I know the two sides. There you go. But yeah. the reality is most people are like Mr. Smith. Yeah. They're just regular people. They feel like they can do some good. Maybe they've had a career already, or maybe they want to make this their career, but they don't intend to do evil. But if you look in the numbers, Washington, D.C. is a great example. This has been studied. The longer they're there, mm-hmm. the more of our money they spend and the more they like to pass laws regulating us. So limiting those terms matters. But mm-hmm. I think limiting terms alone is bad, yeah. personally. Okay. I mean, we've done it in California. It's a disaster. We've done it in a lot of states. It, at best, it's been neutral. It hasn't solved any problems. If you don't limit the terms, for example, of federal bureaucrats, yeah. it's the exact same thing. Yeah. And so we have under this application the, the power and the authority to limit the terms of federal bureaucrats. So I think it would be fantastic to say nobody can serve in the federal government in any capacity for more than 10 years. That makes sense. Now, are you going to have a revolving door where they can serve in different agencies, or this is total lifetime employment? Yeah, my personal opinion is that it would be lifetime employment because okay. you can build a power base in that city, mm-hmm. in Washington, D.C., moving from entity to entity. I mean, a great example of that, who's been in the news a lot, is Lois Lerner. People <laughs> realize she was at the FEC attacking Christian conservative organizations, got actually fired from there for that before right. she had her... Now she is uh, dining and dancing on the American taxpayer dollar on a full pension after ripping off and torturing the Tea Party for years. Is uh, any further investigation of her worthwhile or no? Well, I mean, this is a, first of all, yes, absolutely. And this is an interesting parallel. I hate to go off on a a side tangent. Oh, come on. We got plenty of time. Let's do it. That's why I have you for an hour. Yeah. Organization Citizens for Self-Governance has funded the only class action lawsuit against the IRS for what they did. It's actually, believe it or not, years long, but going well. We're, We're entering our fourth year of litigation. We'll be going to trial somewhere between October and November. We're in settlement discussions right now, forced by the courts. I don't actually think that it's going to end up settling. Hmm. Um, we've been able to depose Lois Lerner, Holly Paws, and, and all the important people in the case. And the most amazing thing to me is that in a lot of cases, especially the low-line employees, they knew exactly what they were doing. They've admitted pretty much everything we're saying. And the mm-hmm. most frustrating part to me is that you would think under the Sessions uh, Justice Department things would change. The defense posture is exactly the same. It's nasty. It's pompous. It's, it prevents us from getting the information we need. It, at every turn, it fights the American people. So that's, that's the state of that case. And I think we're going to find some pretty explosive stuff. I mean, I know we already have, but I think it's going to become public here before yeah. too long. I think I stepped on you a little bit for your, the title of the group, Citizens for Self-Governance. Citizens for Self-Governance is, is the um, 501c3, the nonprofit organization that funds the IRS litigation. It, it was also the original founder of the Convention of States Okay. Are they still connected? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Interesting. Um, You mentioned federalism before, and I want to kind of go back to that just for a bit, because I always get confused by that name. You think of federalism as more federal stuff, but it's really not. It's actually more state stuff. Can you kind of explain that? Sure. You know, you're asking some awesome questions, by the way. I really appreciate it. So the idea of federalism is something that Back in the Founders' Day, everybody knew exactly what it meant. And basically, right. we think of it, like you said, we think of federalism, we think of the federal government and an emphasis on the federal government. But federalism is a system, it's an ideology of governance, which says that the power should be divided between a central government and state governments or okay. subsidiary governments. And so what that means is that the question in federalism is how much and where does the power lie? And in our system of federalism, 
I think the best one ever originally designed. It's not like this anymore. The vast majority of the power was given to the states and the people. It was reserved. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, there was a limited amount of power enumerated specifically in the Constitution given to the federal government. So it was supposed to be this power pyramid with the states and the people having the pinnacle of power and just a small amount of enumerated power given to the federal government. That's now upside down. And you named the cause the federal courts. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, I sent an article uh, yesterday. Probably, you probably don't have it yet uh, to Tamara, who's been amazingly helpful getting you on the show here. But I wrote an article called The Constitutional Budget, where I take Article 1, Section 8, every clause in that, identify the government agency most closely related to that clause, and then find the most relevant budget for that agency and total it all up to get an actual constitutional budget. And it came out to $1.1 trillion. No, that's incredible. I, I hopefully she'll send it to me because oh, I would yeah. love to see that, and I'll, I'll use that in my speeches. I mean, this is oh yeah, the, I love it. Yeah, one of the most amazing things. To, I steal all the good stuff, just so you. I don't invent any of it. Okay. So one of the things that I think is most important for people to understand is very, very little of our existing federal government is authorized under the Constitution. That's right. And the the question is, then, how is it constitutional? Because it is actually, and this is maybe not rightly so, but mm-hmm. according to our courts. And the way that's been done is they have continually, the courts, expanded federal government power. They are part of the federal government. They are biased towards the federal side of federalism. And so every time they're asked virtually, is this okay for the federal government to do this, they say yes. And so uh, one of the best examples, you you might deal with this in in your article, is education. Hmm. You know, we have Thomas Jefferson, one probably the most or second most well-known founding father, Jefferson, in a letter from one of his friends, is asked why he doesn't get federal funds for the University of Virginia. He was a great proponent of public education, the first one. Yeah. And so here's a guy that believes in public education, believes we have an obligation, uh, duty to educate our kids, believes that's the only way you have good citizens. And his response about why he doesn't go for federal funds for University of Virginia, which he founds, is it's unconstitutional. <laughs> we couldn't do it without an amendment to the Constitution. And so why do we have federal funding? We don't have an amendment saying you can fund education because the courts have said that under the Commerce Clause, education falls under the Commerce Clause, and so you can fund education. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. And the only tool we have to fix that really is to use Article 5. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that as to why we, we need the convention uh, and why we need to do this and, and what you know things, various proposals. Do you have proposals already um, ready to go for the convention? Yeah, we don't personally, but you know, like you have proposals, we're encouraging other groups to do it. We don't have specific proposals intentionally okay. because that's a great way to prevent yourself from getting to convention because people will fight over the proposals in advance of convention. Oh, that's see. why we did the subject matter idea. Okay, well, see if I can give you some ideas when we come back. Day 23, um, we'll just get you on hold for a little bit. We've got a call coming in as well. 1330 WEBY, my special guest, Mark Meckler, who had to battle construction and phone lines and other things to get here, and we're really happy he did. And we'll be right back. A little light music to bring us back on topic here. <laughs> That's A-Dog, the world's greatest producer. I'm going to bring Mark back, and then I want to make a, a little announcement here. If you have a particular uh, proposal for the Convention of States, uh, if you can make that, I'll, I'll write it down here, and I'll send that to Mark, and we'll see if that uh, see what happens from there. But we do have a caller. We have Charles, who's on the line, so I want to get uh, uh, Charles here as well. Charles, why don't you go ahead? Yes, thank you. Good show. Uh, thank you. I'm glad you have this gentleman on. Me too. Even though I do disagree with him. Why uh, is that? No, you the, can disagree. Well, yeah. the first, the first of all, um, you know, 
the prophet Hosea said 4,000 years ago, my people perish for lack of knowledge. We're still perishing for lack of knowledge in, to, to begin with. Now, the problem, too, with having a convention is, and more amendments, uh, the Congress is not obeying the Constitution now and the amendments now, and the judges are interpreting the Constitution to say anything they want it to say. So what in the name of, of God do you think that having a, a new amendments is going to add to that confusion? That's actually a really we've good question. Get, we, we've got to get people knowledgeable of the, of the Constitution they have now. All the representatives take an oath to it. So we, the problem is that people don't understand it, and they're voting for socialistic, socialistic benefits. So a, a, an amendment's not going to do anything except, and who is going to, who's going to attend that convention? How are the delegates going to be chosen? There's just a lot of ifs, ands, and buts here. Thank okay. you. I'd like to hear your answer. I'll hang it up. Oh, thanks very much, Charles. Yeah, I think i got three questions I got from that. Mark, uh, where do you want to start? Um, well, let's take them in order, and, and I do think those are great questions. Uh, the, the first thing that I want to address is the, the knowledge base of the people. Okay. I hear this all the time. I don't disagree with Charles, right? Yeah. People don't know enough about the Constitution. Most people don't know it at all. And that's a really important problem in America today. So I'm going to answer that like my daughter did when she was 15 years old. She's a national-level debater, and she got asked that question. We were out on a trip in Montana. Montana senator asked her that question. She said, you know, well, people don't know enough. And my daughter said, well, how do you propose to get people to know about the Constitution? And the senator stared at her blankly. And my daughter said, what you're witnessing here, what you're seeing start up, is the greatest constitutional education program in the history of the United States of America. Hmm. Millions of people will be discussing and debating and paying attention to the Constitution. So if that's what you care about, you should support this, if only for that reason. You're talking about the Convention of States. Convention of States project. Yeah. And I agree with that. Never yeah. before in American history, ever, literally, have as many people been carrying around a pocket Constitution as are right now. Oh, wow. Never have you had... Senator Tom Coburn, Senator Jim DeMint, and across the spectrum down to Marco Rubio and Jeb Bush on, on the moderate side of things, and law professors all across the country talking about publicly about the Constitution, writing about it in USA Today and the Wall Street Journal. So this, in and of itself, if we never got to convention, greatest constitutional education project in history, it's important for that purpose. Second question is, uh, which I think is the most important question, because it was my question when this project started. If they don't follow the Constitution now, why in Lord's name are they going to follow it if we get a new amendment? Mm -hmm. And the answer is going to surprise Charles and your listeners. Anybody who's conservative might gasp at this. But the reality is they do follow the Constitution now. By and large, with some exceptions, they largely follow the Constitution. And, and here's why, and this is really important. What are you talking about when you say the Constitution? This matters a lot. I know what Charles is talking about, and I know what I would have thought originally, which is the pocket constitution, right? The one that we all know and love and we think is this great inspired document. That's the one we say they're not following. Well, you know, time to wake up and smell the coffee because they don't have to follow that one anymore. Because today there's a new constitution. It's sitting on my desk right here. It's called the Annotated Constitution. It weighs over 20 pounds. It's 2,738 pages without the pamphlet editions for the last two years. That is your Constitution. That is the Supreme Court's interpretation of the Constitution since the beginning. That's the one that includes all the decisions you hate, the expansion of federal power under the Commerce Clause, the marriage decision, you name it, they're all in there. Obamacare's in there. That's your Constitution, whether you like it or not. And if you look at virtually everything done by the federal government, virtually all of it falls within the authority granted to by, as you mentioned, this out-of-control federal judiciary to the federal government. So they follow it. So what we have to do is fix it 
by going back to something more like the original, so they have to follow that one. And then the last question, really important, is, you know, what are the details and how do we know, how do delegates get picked? I am a federalist in the purest sense. I love how delegates get picked, which means each state decides on their own how to pick their delegates. That's how it should be. I don't want the federal government telling my, my new adopted state of Texas how to choose their delegates. I don't want them telling California how to choose their delegates. Each state will send as many delegates as they like. Those delegates will be selected by the legislature. And then it's up to them to go to the convention and vote how they want. Each state gets one vote, whether it's Vermont or California. So we do know how the process works. Hmm. I had never heard that before. That is... Uh... Excuse me, a complete revelation to me. I've never heard of the annotated Constitution because I go by the, the, the pocket Constitution, like you say, the one that is written. And when I write on the Constitution, I purposely don't read a lot of other stuff because I'm going just by the words. That's how I came up with the constitutional budget. And yeah, so, and you are, in my opinion, correct philosophically and, and also legally, in my opinion. But the reality is the government follows the Constitution, and they have to as given to them by the Supreme Court. Yeah, but here's the problem. You cannot have a government agency giving itself power. So oh, every- and, and, in fact, what's happened is that Congress itself has mm-hmm. delegated power to the agencies, which take even more than they've been delegated, and Congress doesn't push back against that. Mm-hmm. Again, how do you fix that? We can fix that by holding a convention. Yeah, yeah. This becomes far more important than I ever anticipated. Um, so, and Florida's in on it, but uh, I want to find out more. I had a couple of uh, provisions I was thinking of, but this has so totally blown me away. We have to kind of, we gotta, we got to fix this a little bit. Um, let's go back to Marbury versus Madison and get people caught up with what actually happened. And, and are you familiar with uh, court cases or like the John Jay Court before uh, Marbury versus Madison, before they started interpreting the Constitution? How, how were things back then? Well, I mean, this is really interesting and something that, <laughs> you're going to laugh at this. Well, you're a lawyer, you know. I'm not a lawyer. Oh, I thought you said you were. I'm no, sorry. no, I just I just play one on, on okay. the radio. Well, so this is really interesting. About five years ago, somebody came to me at an event, and after I'd spoken, they asked me this question. They said, uh-huh. when you took constitutional law uh, in your law school, uh, all, pretty much all law schools teach that first year, mm-hmm. they said, did you read the Constitution? And I was offended by that question. I mean, that's a ridiculous question. Yeah. Of, of course we read the Constitution, except we didn't. You read the cases. We never read the Constitution. Yeah. And, and so my first reaction literally was to take offense and then to think about it and think, wait a minute, I, I never read the Constitution. And ever since then, I've asked every lawyer I meet all across the country when you were in law school, and you know what? Their reaction is the same. It's initial offense. Of course, I read the Constitution. And it's like, wait a minute. No, I didn't. And so what happened is mm-hmm. about 115 years ago, the court stops referring to original intent. Oh, and so was it an event then or something, or what? What's that? Was it an event that triggered it, or just, just kind of phased no, in? No, it was just a drift. And okay. I think what it is, it was hubris, in my opinion. If yeah. you read the cases, they start referring to themselves. They start referring to previous court cases. And they oh, stopped. the old precedent thing, which, which, you know, if it's a bad precedent, you're just reinforcing, you know, bad law on top of bad law. Exactly. So there was this respect for the original intent of the founders okay. for about the first hundred years of Supreme Court jurisprudence. Okay. It's the way we should interpret everything now. I mean, it's absurd to think, if you just think about it, take it out of the constitutional context. If you think about you and I enter into a contract, right, mm-hmm. what we intend when we write that contract is what matters. Imagine two years from now, we say, well, 
it doesn't matter what they intend. Let's just look at the words and interpret them how we think they should be. Yeah. I mean, that's just absurd. We wouldn't allow that in contracts or anywhere else, but we allow it in constitutional interpretation. So that's where, in my opinion, where things started to drift, and they've gotten a lot worse. Since. Yeah. I always use the, the, the thing, if, if your job description replaced the word work with lunch, and you just say, that's my interpretation. So I get eight hours of lunch, followed by time and a half for you know lunch after eight hours. You know, we, Could you interpret it that way? Uh, boss says, what are you doing? So I'm just, I've just interpreted my contract. Right, it's a living contract. It's a living contract, exactly. You can't do that. And so, you know, one of the worst interpretations is the 14th Amendment. And do you have a provision? Or you don't have a provision. I want to see you do a provision which gets rid of, of birthright citizenship from the, the, the law that they have now, the National, uh, was the National and Immigration Act, which says if you're born on U.S. soil, regardless of your criminal, illegal, or other status, or vacation status, you automatically become a U.S. citizen. But that's not the intent of the 14th Amendment. It says under the jurisdiction. And so the only people who should become U.S. citizens um, born here are, are people who are born to U.S. citizens. Uh, that's it. Well, and so in the, in the convention, we would have the power to propose and debate and adopt that because okay. what the convention allows in the middle clause, which is anything, mm-hmm. anything that would restrict the scope, the power, and the jurisdiction of the federal government. You cannot expand federal government power. You couldn't say, okay, we're going to give the federal government power to grant more citizenship. Right. But you can restrict their power, so that would fall right there. Hmm. Something I just thought of here, if there's a way to restrict their power of, say, like the ATF, uh, because they're going against the Second Amendment, which is a big deal with me, and I've written how judges, you know, it's impossible for them to to have any say in that because they're they're totally screwing it up. They're interpreting, you know, where they got this idea they can interpret it, and I'll talk about it in a minute. But is there a way to have the Second Amendment enforced as it's written and and take that power away from ATF, from uh, states that are, uh, you know, restricted? Absolutely. In fact, this is one of the ones that frustrates me the most. I'm, I'm a huge Second Amendment advocate. Okay. That's about as clear of a provision in the Constitution as you get. Mm-hmm. It's really not complicated. Shall not infringe. Yeah. Right? Which mean, means don't touch. Right. That, that language hasn't changed. In, in some cases, the language has gotten a little bit murky in modern usage, but shall not infringe still means the same thing it mm-hmm. meant in 1787. I mean, what it means is they can't do anything. And so this is, I don't know where they get this idea that except, they, they insert the clause, except reasonably in our own determination. Right. Yeah, how, or how or according we... to law, which and the, which is which is subservient to the the Constitution. Exactly. Although they're saying, you know, in other words, and this is the problem I had with Neil Gorsuch. Everybody thinks he's this wonderful conservative justice, but I watched two instances. One where he said that uh, on 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 gay marriage that is settled law. I said nonsense. The states can come back and do whatever they want with this. The Supreme Court has no right to determine that. That's not a federal issue. And the second one was he said the Supreme Court has ruled in Heller and what the what the Second Amendment means. That's also nonsense because what it, the Second Amendment means is what it says. In fringe, if you look at the fringe, the fringe is the absolute outside extreme edge, edge of anything. So if you're infringing, you're touching the outs, absolute outside extreme edge, edge, and you can't do that. And I'm getting on, I'm rambling on here, but you know, you know what I'm saying. No, I, I completely agree with you. Look, this is <sighs> important. I want to go back to your point about interpretation. Okay. And and the language and and this idea you can't you can't turn work into lunch. You can't turn your job into lunch. Yeah. This is what the Supreme Court has done with the Constitution by and large. Yeah. Here's the most important one to me, the broadest one that causes the most infringement on all of our rights, and that is the Commerce Clause. Okay. So in 1787, they draft the Interstate Commerce Clause. That gives the federal government a limited enumerated power to regulate 
interstate commerce. Those are the key words in the clause, right? And so if you look at that language and what it means, here's part of the problem we have. Today, the words mean something different in common usage than they did back then. In 1787, if you were to look in a dictionary, if you were to ask Daniel Webster or Ben Franklin what interstate commerce meant, the word commerce, importantly, meant back then the shipment of goods. Okay. Today, we say commerce, we think business. It's just a general term for business. So you would think it means to regulate business across state lines or between the states, but it didn't mean that. It meant shipping. And the reason is there were actually, they were on the verge of a fighting trade war between New York and New Jersey at the time of the convention over the shipment of goods across state lines. Yeah. Tariffs around that stuff. So they were trying to prevent that. The other word that's really important that has changed dramatically is the word regulate. The concept of regulation and the way we understand it, regulatory agencies, all these regulatory codes, did not exist in 1787. They would have been outraged by those things. What regulate meant back then was to, what we would uh, use the word regularize. It meant to smooth it out, to make it easy, to make it work, to remove obstacles. Or organize, maybe. Yeah, organize. But it did not mean in any way, shape, or form to control, yeah. to tell people what they... So you had this clause that gave the federal government this limited power to make sure the trade between the states in goods that were shipped went smoothly. That was the role of the federal government. What they're really doing, I mean, to simplify it, is you had two school kids fighting mm-hmm. about trade, and you needed to keep them apart and fix that. That was it. And so now the Supreme Court has interpreted that over the years. Really, in, in the 1930s, uh, Willard versus Filburn was the big case, which said a guy that was growing wheat for his own consumption and the consumption of his crops was affecting interstate commerce because he wasn't buying wheat on the open market. <laughs> so, right? So he's yeah. not doing anything in commerce that you and I would think he's not. He's not buying wheat. He's not selling wheat. He's not producing anything for somebody else's consumption. But they say they can regulate that because not buying something is commerce. And it's expanded from there. And that allows the federal government to do almost anything. Yep. Somewhere between 30 and 40 percent of federal government operations operate under the auspices of the Commerce Clause. In other words, the Department of Education, the Department of Energy, the Department of Commerce, the EPA, all of those things exist because the Supreme Court has said they can underneath the Commerce Clause. So I want to go all the way back to Charles's question, and you know, he said people aren't going to follow these amendments. If you remove federal government authority to do these things, which is what we're talking about, then people follow the amendments. We have a long history of the federal government following the amendments as proposed and ratified. So what we really need is a proposal that basically prohibits judicial review and renders all those cases moot, and we basically start over. You know, I think basically that would be the most extreme version, whether we could pull that off or not, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things we have to do is be realistic about what we can accomplish. If we could accomplish just, uh, I'm going to go not near as far as you are here, if we could accomplish giving the states the right, say, three-fifths of the states to overturn any federal law or regulation, I'll go with that. then that would be a huge step in the right direction. I think yeah. we're going to have to take this in steps. I don't believe we're going to make it all the way back to the original intent of the pocket constitution in one shot. But I'm willing to give it a try. Yeah, I'm going to come back and tell you about Action Radio, which is what I'm going to turn talk radio into, and then open up for anything that you think we haven't covered. And we have to take a couple of, of commercial breaks in the remaining time left because we've had so much fun chatting. Sounds great. <laughs> so we'll be right back in just a bit, 842 and 1330 WBY. Well, we're still on a journey, <laughs> a legal journey, if nothing else. 
So we're back with uh, Mark Meckler of Convention of States. And also, uh, let's get your group here, the uh, Citizens for Self-Governance, if you want to check it out. And I'm going to have your websites posted to our Facebook page in a little bit here. Um, just real quickly, my goal with this is to uh, turn talk radio into action radio. And the difference is that we become, my audience becomes a citizen legislature, and we actually start writing our own bills. And so I've got a bunch of bills I'm going to be posting to a website, still under development. It's turning out to be a lot more complicated than I thought. Um, but we're going to start doing that. And I want to combine radio with the audience, with technology, with uh, our, uh, our state and federal representatives, and see if we can actually have bills you know, come from the people in a way that's never been done before. And the guiding principle is that the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. How's that sound? It sounds like the way it was intended to be, right? Yeah, well, I'm working I mean, on this it. is really, honestly, which seems strange. You're using all this technology, all this modern stuff, mm -hmm. radio, yep. the Internet, millions of people to bring us back to the way things were in the founding era. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I never thought about that, but that well, makes perfect he, sense. Here's, you know, this, this, in my opinion, started in modern times with the Tea Party movement. So, mm -hmm. it, But if you go back to the founding era, you, you have the committees of correspondence, and these are folks in their communities that are really interested in what's going on in government, and what they do is they get together, come up with ideas, and then they share those ideas with other people in, that, in those days through letters. Right. So they built this network of communities that believed in the same ideas of liberty and federalism and self-governance, and they shared ideas about how to make those things work in their state legislatures and also vis-a-vis -vis a strong central government. You're doing the same thing that they were doing. You're doing it today via technology. I feel like we're closer than ever before mm -hmm. to being like the founders in the sense that we're able to communicate in communities of interest. That's what you're creating, a community of common interest, people yeah. who believe the same way, and to impose that will upon the federal government and the state government. I think it's really important. I love what you're doing. You know, we, we held a simulated convention in Williamsburg last year. How'd that go? Uh, it was incredible. We brought in delegates literally from all 50 states. There 153 delegates were there. Mm -hmm. It operated flawlessly. A lot of the proposals, we had proposals come in for amendments from citizens all across the country. We had over 1,000 proposals, which were reviewed. We put them together in a binder by section for all the delegates. So that was their starting point, is they had essentially citizens making these proposals. Wow. I wish I could have gone. <laughs> I didn't get invited, though. Maybe next time. We yeah. would love to have you next time. Yeah. Well, I need you for an advisor for Action Radio, so I think that's going to be a, a big thing. I want to run a couple of proposals by you. The first one um, is is on uh, the Section 1, fiscal restraints on the federal government. I would love to see a, an amendment to end all withholding taxes. Look, I'm a huge fan of that. I don't, I don't – the idea of withholding taxes – people need to understand taxation in the way it actually works. First of all, I, I'm not anti-tax. Mm -hmm. If we're going to have a government – if we're going to live in a society and have centralized services of any kind, you have to have taxes. So that's a really important caveat. So, But the idea of a withholding tax, you always get less of that which you tax, right? Yep. And so if you want prosperity in America, if you want people to work hard and, and make a lot of money, which I think we all want for everybody yeah. in America, that's what we desire, then taxing their income is absurd and ridiculous. The more you tax income, the less income you get, or the more people hide their income, I'm a fan of a simple consumption-based tax system. I mean, that's that's really the way tax systems should work, in my opinion. Talking about the fair tax or some other system? It could be a fair tax or some other version. You know, I, I don't. I'm not enough of a tax expert, to be honest with you, to to pick a particular system. I just know if if somebody and this this is going to sound a little bit leftist, so I apologize for that. But I just think this is a fair way to tax. Mm -hmm. You have a choice of whether to pay tax if you have a consumption-based tax. Right. 
And so if you just say whatever the number, I'm going to throw out a number there. This is not rational or reasonable. I'm just throwing out a number for example purposes. If you say there's a 5% tax on everything that a consumer purchases, Mm -hmm. well, then the rich person is going to pay more tax than a poor person. If they buy a Ferrari, if they buy a Learjet, if they buy a Rolex watch. But you know what? They don't have to pay those taxes because they can decide not to buy those things. Mm -hmm. So it really is a voluntary system of taxation that says, you know, if you're going to consume a lot more in our society, dollar for dollar wise, then you're going to pay more of the burden. If you're poor and you can't afford to, well, then you're not going to. And so that's the type of tax system I'm in favor of. Yeah. The one caution I have is that you hear this term revenue neutral, which is basically we're going to take the same money, just use a different form to get it. And what I'd love to see is a graduated. In fact, I was talking to another person on a previous show about having a graduated down fair tax. So you may start at 22, 23%, but it drops. 2% a year, so the government's forced to live on, on less money, which brings up my next amendment, which is Congress cannot borrow money so long as there's a national debt unless we're in a declared war. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that, and, and I'm also not a fan of revenue neutrality. Okay. And here's why for me. The fundamental problem that we have in America is not that we spend too much money. The <laughs> fundamental problem that we have is that the government is too big. The spending of too much money is a symptom. Right? And so Dr. Coburn, Tom Coburn, former senator, works with us, and he said as a, as a physician, as a doctor, he didn't treat symptoms. He treated the disease. Yeah. And the disease here is that we have a big, overreaching, bloated, disgusting federal government. So if you say, well, let's just treat the symptom, it doesn't work. What you have to do, the cause is this gigantic government. So you have to shrink the government, which necessitates, as you say, the actual shrinking of spending over time, because you've got to shrink that government. Yeah, which means you have to limit at both ends. You have to limit the taxation. You have to limit the ability to spend, especially the ability to borrow. But I really think it comes back to the judiciary. Judiciary. I get excited to talk to you fast. Um, But I want to talk to you more about that, not this show, but um, certainly over time. Here's another thing I was thinking of, and this is all in Section 1, is have the states take back all the land uh, that is not um, from the federal government that's not constitutionally authorized for the federal government to have, which is land under military bases and docks and, and landed at D.C. and borderland. That's basically all they're constitutionally allowed, yet they had this huge amount of territory, especially out west. Uh, I mean, you, now you're speaking straight to my heart. Um, <laughs> I am a huge fan of the return of federal lands to the okay. states. It is just absolutely outrageous. It's a form of servitude. It, it's a breach of a promise. There was actually a promise made to return to all this land to the mm-hmm. states. When? Uh, it when was the promise made? Yeah, and when was it supposed to be enacted? This, this actually, much of it was transferred uh, about 100 years ago okay. uh, as the federal government used it as security for, for Civil War debts. Okay. And so it was all supposed to come back. All the stuff in the East went back, and then one day they just stopped returning it. And so it is just outrageous. It is a, a plot by centralizers and Marxists to, at this point to control the lands in the West. It's just absolutely outrageous. And we have to stop it. And by the way, right now, and even in a conservative, quote-unquote, administration, if Ryan Zinke, as Secretary of the Interior, who generally speaking, in my opinion, is a really good guy, on federal lands, he does not believe in the return of federal lands to the states. He has bowed and taken a knee before the Marxists. Mm-hmm. And, and so he is actually opposed to the return of federal lands to the states. I think there should be a constitutional amendment yeah. preventing the federal government from owning those lands. And forcing it back to the states. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, this would be interesting. We've got to take our last break and then come back, give me some contact information for people if they want to get in touch with you and websites and anything else you want. And we'll be right back in just a little bit. All right, listen up, maggots, because I have something to say that you might want to hear. It's for every man 18 through 25 years old. 
Now, you want to live in my United States of America? Then you have got to register with Selective Service. It's a privilege, and it's the law. The fact is, you must register before you can qualify for student loans, most federal jobs, or job training. Now, you say you want to be a U.S. citizen? Well, get with the program. You've got to be registered to qualify. Now, Charlie tells me that we need to go online at sss.gov or fill out a selective service registration form at any post office. You did that already? Outstanding! You've earned my respect. Hoorah! Register with Selective Service online at sss.gov or at the post office. It's the law. I hereby declare on an oath that I will support and defend the Constitution and laws of the United States of America. Every day our great country becomes stronger as immigrants who choose to do so become citizens. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. For immigrant men age 18 to 26, there's a special obligation they must fulfill if they wish to become citizens. They must register with Selective Service regardless of their immigration status. And that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. So help me God. Keep your options open. Men, register with Selective Service today online at sss.gov. If you don't have a Social Security number, just register at your local post office. It's quick, it's easy, and it's the law. Oh, I have to follow that ad up. <laughs> we got to talk. So, selective service. Did you hear that? Yeah, I did hear that. That was pretty interesting. Okay, think about it. First of all, they're only registering men, so in this age of equality, all right? Secondly, and the part that really got me, was regardless of immigration status, not even if you don't even have a Social Security number. Okay? Yeah, I mean, look, we, we've come to this weird thing, and they're doing it intentionally, where they're trying to redefine what it means to be a citizen. Okay. And I've literally been to conferences on the left where they specifically speak of this. They, they want the word citizen not to mean anything that it naturally, normally means. Destroy the idea of citizenship yeah. in the United States. And also blurs the idea when they talk about, you say you're against immigration, they, they've blurred the distinction between legal and illegal. And that's another really big deal. And this is something, you know, I can close with this. There is a war going on between the left and the right, and the left uses language, redefines language, uses it against us. We need to be really aware of that, and mm -hmm. we need to take back our language. Yeah, that's why I always say freedom rifle as opposed to assault weapon. I've got my own dictionary I wrote. Oh, I like that. No, I'm going to send you a lot of stuff. Anyway, give me some contact stuff. We only have a little bit of time left, and I have to have you back because we're only scratching the surface here. Uh, I would love to. It's been great, great being with you. People you. can reach us the best way. Go to conventionofstates.com. Whether your state's passed it or not, you need to be involved. We're going to help you be involved. Uh, we're going to help Greg with Action Radio because I think that's important. We have yes. an obligation as citizens to save the country, not to sit back and watch it fail. So go to conventionofstates.com and get involved. All right. Just in a little bit of time left, I want to give you my, uh, my Miranda-type jury mandatory instruction for all juries, if we can put this in the convention, too. And this says you have the right, the judge has to give this before the jury is charged, you have the right to judge the laws as well as the facts of the case. And if you find the laws unjust or unconstitutional, you have the right, power, and duty to nullify the law or laws and can acquit or not find guilty on that basis alone. Well, the courts aren't going to like it, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you would. So basically, we have a friendly audience here. Um, 20 seconds. It's all yours. 
Well, I would just say that the most important thing you can remember is that the fight is not about what gets done in America. It's about who decides. That's what the convention is all about. The question is, do you and your friends and your family, do private citizens, do your states get to decide, or are we going to let some bureaucrats unelected, unaccountable in a faraway place called Washington? Yeah, people have no concept of what 20 seconds means. <laughs> all right, let's get back to present day. Action Radio, dedicated to fixing everything. So that was a fabulous interview with Mark Meckler. Uh, I want to get him back on the show, uh, but it's been six years, and the reason there's such a delay is because about a year after that, actually less than a year after that, uh, the station was bought out, and I was out of a job, and it, it totally disrupted everything. You know, I had to go, I looked for other radio stations, and I, I never found a job there because they didn't want me to do action radio, uh, and then I started on Blog Talk, and we were just starting to build up Blog Talk, and then COVID hit, and we got completely censored, so it's been a huge fight the last five years to try and reclaim where we were. Now I'm back in a position to get some of these guests back on. Uh, we've had uh, really about six months ago, we started having folks like Peter Navarro, Christina Bob, uh, Ed Dowd, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Robert Malone, uh, different folks like Brandon Strzok. We had some really, really uh, important guests, and tomorrow we have one too. I'll talk about that with CJ. Let's get CJ's here. She's back from uh, her fact-finding trip to Mongolia to uh, check out the Himalayan sea salt, and we shall find out exactly how that trip went in just a second. What is health? What does it take to stay healthy? We have a longer lifespan than 100 years ago, but is the quality of life any better? 100 years ago, their food was better. They got more exercise. They weren't as fat. They didn't have preservatives, antidepressants, sugar in everything, and they didn't have vaccines. If you talk about alternative health care, people think of crystals, incense, strange candles, Ouija boards, notions, potions, lotions, and total hippies telling you to detox, man. So let's change our system of sick care into wellness. Let's get healthy. Let's lower our stress, stop taking in poisons, eat and drink organic, clean food. And let's have a chat with CJ, because this is CJ's Wellness Watch on Action Radio. So, darling, how was the trip to the Himalayas? Did you did you get your original sea salt? Did you come back with a suitcase full? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so good to talk to you. Well, like I said, I I you know I was thinking about this this morning. There's so many things on my mind, and I really have by choice been completely out of the loop for about eight or nine days, and mm-hmm. it's been great to be able to take a bit of a break. And it's been helter skelter. Since you know, mm-hmm. I've got I've gotten back trying to get all the ducks in the row and everything, everything going again. Um, mm-hmm. But we, we had a great time, and I tell you what, truly being in the salt and the sand and the seawater was absolutely, absolutely amazing. You know, that's kind of my my thing. So. Oh yeah, I love it too. I just don't. Uh, I have to go to the beach here. You know, I've been here six years. I haven't been to the beach yet. Uh, well, I've been to the beach, but I haven't been in the water yet, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's crazy, but I'm working all the time. And so to get down, and I don't, I won't go in the summertime. I don't like the sun. I don't like the crowds. I don't like the heat. Uh, so my idea of a beach trip is, you know, October. <laughs> so probably next month I'll start going to the beach. Yeah. Yeah. That's go, go funny. Now, that, uh-huh. 
I'm definitely a sun girl. I like getting the sun because, like I said, when I'm here at home, you know, I go for a walk. I go outside on a bike ride, that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. in working from home, my home office, but to right. be outside for hours in the sun, I'm like, give it, give it to me. So it was a good, good time. We saw some dolphins, and we were at the outer, outer banks and Kitty Hawk, and it was, you know, it was a really, really good time. We played a lot of pickleball. Um, we went to the gym every day, so we definitely got physical activity in for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I definitely get a lot of physical activity. Yeah. Like I say, a couple of gym trips, a bike ride or two a week, so I'm definitely getting that. I just don't – it's like, to me, if I'm just sitting doing nothing, I have a, I have a hard time doing nothing, as you can probably imagine, because so much mm-hmm. is happening here all the time. Um, did you hear that interview? I know you called in a little earlier. I don't, did you catch the part where he was talking about – this is Mark Meckler from the Convention of States. So, again, this is a six-year-old interview, just so people uh, uh, got caught up, get caught up on time here. But he was talking about the, the, the Constitution that we all go by here is not the real one. The real one is the, the Supreme Court cases. That is the real Constitution. And I'm like, that's so Yeah, I, I heard a little bit of that. I find that yeah. so interesting. Well, he's a lawyer. And this is what lawyers think. This is why I didn't, uh, you know, I'm, even though I, I thought of going to law school way back when, uh, I couldn't afford the student loans. So I really, it was never really an option for me. Uh, unlike the people that want their loans paid for by taxpayers, I, I would never burden anybody else like that. Anyway, point being that he's wrong. I mean, he's completely wrong. But you talk to Jonathan, who's a lawyer, you know, he does our Monday legal report, uh, and, they, and they don't learn the, the Constitution in law school. And you would think that that would be the first thing they would learn, because that's what all our law is based on is the limitation of the federal powers in the Constitution. Everything stems from that. And the powers that are reserved to the states and the, and the local governments that the feds can't touch. And, of course, that's all changed. So the Supreme Court gave itself power. And I made that statement then that the Supreme Court, the one thing that no government entity can do is give itself power. It can only operate within the power that is given. Now, the, the Congress can give more power to agencies. They can create agencies and things like that. But the agency itself right. can't create power. The, the, the Congress cannot suddenly, you know, hear court cases. The Supreme Court cannot legislate. You know, the, the, the president cannot take court cases or legislate. You know, the Supreme Court cannot order executive agencies to do things. You know, I mean, none of that. So, so there's a separation. Actually, but all these lines have been blurred. And the fact that he said that now, I, six years ago, my debates weren't as sharp as they are now. Now I would call him on it and say, this is totally wrong. <laughs> you know, you may think this is what it is, and the Supreme Court may think what it is, but it is totally wrong. And so that I found quite fascinating. Um, so, so, uh, but that's how lawyers think. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, I find it mind-blowing, honestly. Yeah. I know it's not a wellness question, but, you know, it affects all of us. That's why I was curious your opinion as another non-lawyer. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting as I'm sitting here, I have, you know, the copy of the Constitution here right in front of me. And to think about, uh-huh. uh, yep, I, I mean, yeah. I'm right here. Can you hear me? Yeah, you, you just skipped out for a second. Yeah. Anyway, it's okay. You're there. That's okay. the main thing. Yeah. Gremlins. <laughs> yeah. There are gremlins I'm out there. Here, yeah. good. Okay, good. Back to your pocket Constitution. <laughs> he said that he calls it the pocket Constitution like it's not the real one. I'm like, what are you talking about? Anyway, go ahead. Exactly. Well, it almost goes back, and I know this is indirectly answering your question, and this mm-hmm. is not a topic we're going to have a conversation on, but, um, you know, to hear that, it's mind-blowing, but it's not surprising because I know on my podcast we've talked about, just like the Bible, how there's missing, a lot of people believe that there are missing parts in books of the Bible, you know, mm-hmm. or that it's not the real things have been tainted or twisted or, you know what I mean? So, um, it's, it's a concept that I can completely see 
Mm-hmm. But it's like, okay, then what are we missing? Where is the real thing? You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and where'd they go? And why were they taken out? That that's a Wendy question. We have our uh, oh my oh my god report. You should you should call her. I mean, you can call into Wendy, Wendy's report. You know, I mean, any reporters yeah. welcome calling anybody any other reporters because we all have different expertise. Right. That's why you're all on. The reason you're a reporter on my show is because you know things I don't. <laughs> it's literally that simple. Right. You know, so that's the whole point. Right. Of it. The other thing um, before we get to your main topic is the uh, I left that selective service commercial in Arlie Ermy. Remember him? You know who. You know, he was an actual Marine drill instructor, and then he went into acting, and he did uh, cop films and things like that, and then he had his own, you know, army show, and he, he passed away not too long ago. But uh, when they talk about selective service, and the first thing I know is, yes, selective service is unconstitutional because it violates the 14th Amendment equal protection. You're forcing men to do something you're not forcing women to do. That's unconstitutional. That, that denies right. equal protection. So selective service on its face is, is illegal. That was the first thing. But the second thing is even worse, I th- in, in my opinion, because they talk about uh, regardless of your immigration status, men 18 to 25 have to register for a selective service. And if they don't have a Social Security number, go to the post office anyway. What's that all about? Right. Right. Talk about a, back, talk about a backdoor way to citizenship in violation of every immigration law we have. Right. Yeah. So here's wow. my question. I mean, well, that's just the thing, you know, I had mentioned, I had mentioned to you, you know, that I wanted to do another podcast on the Constitution. So that being said, which Constitution do you use? What do you use? Do you use the one, you know, that I have here in front of me? What, Mm -hmm. you know, what's, what's, what's the source? And how do you know that the source is correct? Well, the real Constitution is the one you have in front of you, what, what uh, Mark was calling the pocket Constitution. Supreme Court cases mm-hmm. cannot be the Constitution because the Supreme Court is subordinate to the Constitution. Therefore, you cannot equate something that's subordinate. That's, that's irrational. Something is uh-huh. not on the same level if it's, auto, if it's already below. So the Constitution is the supreme law of the land where the federal government has jurisdiction. People forget that second part. Okay, you've got to get the, the first part and the second part. The, Constitu- the federal government, is, you know, the Constitution is the supreme law of the land where the federal government has jurisdiction. And where they don't have jurisdiction is the Tenth Amendment, everything not delegated in the Constitution. Well, one of the things that's not delegated in the Constitution is the Supreme Court's ability to interpret the law, to have judicial review, to rule laws unconstitutional, or to elevate their court opinions to the same level as the Constitution or superior to it. So what he said was completely right. wrong. So how can you have a law degree and believe something so ridiculous? Exactly. Good question. Yeah. yeah. So here's my last question wow. before, before your topic. My last question yeah. is, Brandon has let in 15 million illegal aliens. Right. Of Brandon's 15 million illegal aliens, there's probably 3 million, I'm just guessing, this is making numbers up, men between 18 and 25 that regardless of their immigration status in this country, have to register for selective service. Do you think they did? Mm. Huh. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Oh, interesting, huh? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yep. That's a good okay. Yeah. Wouldn't that, so there's, that would be something interesting to know. Mm-hmm. So there's a question for, for the next time I talk to somebody from Congress or anybody. It's like, uh, did Brandon's illegal men register for selective service, which they have to by law regardless of immigration status? which means illegal alien right. men have to register for selective service, which they can't mm-hmm. do because they can't legally be here. It's, I mean, the, the, it, we're into like the twilight zone here of, of, uh, of legality. Exactly. Well, it's, so that, it's, it's, yeah. it's a continual circle. 
you know, mm-hmm. that one thing relies upon another, relies upon another, and what's, what's, what's good for one person is not good for another. Well, no, it's it's a twilight zone to me because if you if you it's, it's irrational, it's an irrationality because you have to register, you know, to serve a country that you can't legally be in. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah that's that's twilight. That's, that's twilight zone. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, what do oh, you want to talk about? Yeah, back to you. Crazy, crazy kids. Well, like like I said, I've been you know honestly just kind of out of the loop over the past ten days, but I can tell you mm-hmm. the hot topic. Um, that yeah. has definitely been a topic of, you know, me being back here the next, the past three days and mm-hmm. things that I have been doing with my clients, myself, is phototherapy. I don't Ooh, remember what's that? Well, oh, that's light therapy. therapy. Yeah, photo, we talked about that, um, yeah. Yeah, but, the, but there's, um, there's different types of photo, phototherapy that mm-hmm. you can use, you know, light, light and patches and all the things that work with, with the heat you know, of your actual body, and it actually goes on to, like, pressure points. So mm. all kinds of phototherapy that people can use rather than – it's not just going into, say, like an infrared sauna. Full modalities of phototherapy that people can implement that are easy mm-hmm. in their own homes um, and utilize, and that has been a big, big topic. There's some things out there that actually – work with your body that emits heat, you know, when you put it on certain pressure points and it taps into the infrared energy in your body. Um, but infrared's light energy, though. So this is what we're talking about when we talk about photo. So you're actually, you know, you're bathing people in infrared light, which they can't see because it's, it's, it's below the visible spectrum. Is that what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, like I said, there's different okay. types. So the types that I'm not just infrared, like if I'm saying somebody has to go to an infrared sauna or something like that, you can do those. There's plenty of places, and it's amazing, absolutely amazing. But there's technology, you know, out there where you can use a specific thing at home, which will work with the heat. It Your body emits heat, right? So mm-hmm. including heat in, in the infrared sort of spectrum. So or it does. The, do we do the, ultraviolet uh, yeah, too? So Okay. So the the items, they're, they're patches that you can use, and when you place them on the body, it causes them to reflect back and stimulate points on the skin that promote general state of healing with phototherapy, with the pressure points in, in your mm. body. And it's all a reaction with, with heat. So that has been, I mean, it's been used for centuries. Phototherapy has been used for centuries to improve health. So it, oh, it yeah, they used to put uh, TB victims, you know, tuberculosis. They put them outside in the sunshine. You know, mm-hmm. sunshine and fresh air is what cured a lot of TB. Whereas in, yep. in uh, Europe, before they knew about this, they'd, put people in, they'd, hide, they'd hide the people away in attics where it was dark and, uh, you know, damp. And, of course, they died immediately or very shortly after mm-hmm. that. You know, not, cause, but the way it was, they probably would have done fine out in warm air and sunshine. Or a so lot better. It, it goes huh. in, in your body, you have like a meridian map, right? So pressure works uh-huh. like acupuncture. So oh, okay. you can find the point and you put these, these circles on, on your body in certain mm-hmm. pressure points. Mm-hmm. It's because what's, what's that the they, they emit. I'm sorry. What's the circle? They're, they're what's patches. The circle? They're, they're, the pho- they're phototherapy patches that you can okay. wear on pressure that really? helps to relieve 
inflammation, discomfort. Oh yeah, and they and they work. 200%. Like a pad kind of thing. Uh, like you go to chiropractor, it, it you get these like, like electric band-aid. pads. It looks like a band. It looks like a band-aid. band-aid. Okay. Mhm. Different okay. sizes. So very, very localized then. Yep. Very. It's not very like a big patch. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's not like a nope, blanket or a or a big, uh, you know, like a dentist, you know, lead nope. apron. <laughs> okay. All right. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. No. Nope. So. No. Nope. So that's really been the biggest thing that I've been uh, working with since in back. Back. Okay. Um, huh. Yeah, and I've only been back three days, so. <laughs> Well, that's okay. I mean, you, you know, I mean, we can talk about what you did on your vacation. That's always fun too, because we can talk about the health aspects of salt water. You know, it might be interesting in the sunshine and the combination thereof. That might be fun. But I'm curious, as you're talking about heat, um, I, so I wrote down fever because a fever is what your body does to kill viruses. If you are infected with with enough of a virus, it raises your body temperature because the virus can't survive. Now, it doesn't kill you, right. hopefully, you know, um, but it doesn't take much. Right. So we're normally 98.6. And if you have a fever of, what, 100, 101, 102 degrees, you know, you're not at death's door, but you're killing viruses. So does this infrared do the same thing? And are there safe ways to raise your body heat without a fever? And is that kind of part of how this all works together? That's what I'm curious about. Well, your body emits heat, right? I mean, well, warm-blooded. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, your body emits heat. So mm-hmm. when you when you use the phototherapy patch again, which is the size of a small band aid, and mm-hmm. you put it on a pressure point, there are specific points where you can put it on, or you put it in a spot where you have discomfort or you feel like you have inflammation or whatever. I mean, there there's no really wrong place, so to speak. Um, there's preferred sites, but depending on what you are are using, then what they do is they they work with that pressure point. And the mm-hmm. heat of which that pressure point is emitting cellular level. So, huh. like, there's no medicine on the patch. There's no it's it's actual phototherapy technology, and there's all kinds of science, you know, behind that. But the whole point is it it emits it through its cells, the cells mm-hmm. of your body, with the, okay. working through the heat of your body. It's a really great. It's really interesting technology, and people have had dramatic. Um, Dramatic results with it. Let's talk about um, meridians. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll get to all that. But, <clears throat> excuse me. Meridians. The, the, are these like nerves through your body or are these uh, uh, linking and pressure points? Because I've seen acupuncture drawings. I know about the bottom of your feet has, you know, you put a needle in the bottom of your foot and your kidney feels better. You know, I mean, the, the body is all connected yeah. as one big neural nerve network. So is, are the meridians, are these nerve meridians or are they a different kind of a system? Or what are they exactly? The, the meridians are more of the pressure points in your body, like I said. But, our, but what, connect, what connects them? So how do they work? What, what, what connects them to each other? Yeah, is it nerves? Or, it's it's got to be nerves. It's nerve, so yeah, it's it's nerve, nerve tissues. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, it's, so it goes back like to Chinese. A lot of these techniques go back to Chinese medicine, mm-hmm. which is really kind of cool when you really start to study it. And oh, the yeah. Is that, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so a, like I said, you have a patch on, yeah. right, and you take your four fingers and you press you know, at a certain point, just like you were, you were saying, there's certain mm-hmm. pressure points with the nerves that you can do certain things with your body. If you know the mm-hmm. meridian patterns, which, you right. know, I'm not an acupuncturist. I am not, uh, you know, I don't know all the meridians, but I do know specific pressure points for certain things 
related to the phototherapy patches that, hmm. you know, I use a lot of times. So I do yeah. know, I do know those. Well, you should get to one of those maps, so get to one of those charts. You know, they have the human body and they have all the, the nerves and meridians and they have these arrows pointing to, uh, you know, this, this, you know, your left finger or third finger connects to your heart and your, you know, your right toe connects to your liver. I mean, it, it, you can see them. I mean, they're all there. It's, I mean, this is well documented. Yep. Uh, and, and this is why it's so fascinating living in San Francisco, because as part of the tour, if we were walking around and had some extra time, uh, I used to take the folks to this Chinese pharmacy. And whereas they, you know, most pharmacies have drugs in bottles all over the wall, this guy has herbs in drawers, <laughs> you know, and they would, he would actually prescribe the Chinese doctors that would prescribe, you know, medicine in herbal form, uh, usually dried herbal form, as opposed to, uh, you know, your all your, your Pfizer drug medicine on the wall. And so it's quite fascinating. It's probably a lot better, more effective too. But he told me all kinds of stuff, you know, in, in his broken English. <laughs> I'm sure this guy was like a real Chinese doctor too, but that's how they do it. So Chinese medicine is fascinating. And so, and I asked him, you know, in in Chinatown, I said, well, what if someone breaks a leg? You know, uh, do they, do they, the Western thing? Oh yeah. Yeah. Western medicine is really good for casts and, you know, and and like plumbing things like heart surgery. But, you know, we basically came to the conclusion it's useless for disease, (laughs) you know, and it's like the things that I had problems with the heart surgery was not the surgery. It was the drugs afterwards. It's the drugs that are the problem. Uh It seems to me. So if we can move to a, a Chinese system where appropriate and, and use Western medicine where appropriate, use both, we get a pretty good system. What do you think? Mm-hmm. I think so. I think so. Okay. And you know what's interesting? So many. I mean, because there's so many modalities of healing. I mean, so many. That it's just a matter of what works for you and, you know, what what's the easiest for you, you know, and, and yes, a lot of them, something costs money most of the time, you know, mm-hmm. but you can go very inexpensively, like I said, with home remedies or different patches versus going to an infrared sauna. There's a lot of different things that you can utilize, but that's really being, I think we talked about this the last time, not only salt, but we've talked about cellular absorption, mm-hmm. phototherapy. I think, those over the past couple of weeks before I left to go away and getting back, those two things seem to be the big buzz things right now is the phototherapy and cellular absorption of supplementation because, you know, we're getting into this whole scare tactic again, then kids in school and the whole debacle and blah, blah, blah. What is going on? Where's the rebellion? I mean, where's where's the wellness community on this? Folks you talk to, you know, where where are the the screaming protests in the streets? Uh, hell no, I won't go. You know, I mean, I started calling them placebo masks. <laughs> you know, all kinds of stuff like that. We've got our own little our rebel stuff. But yeah, why? Where where's where's the rebellion from the wellness community? Saying this is a bunch Good of nonsense. Question. These things are dangerous. These aren't vaccines. Yeah, I think you know, they're, I think it's still. I think it's still. Um, oh gosh silent rebellion like here where i am Uh like i said and i'm not necessarily the greatest person to ask that question to because i homeschool and we don't do you know we do some things between the well that's that's an act of rebellion that in itself is an act of rebellion yeah okay yeah but Uh um you know there's i have not seen where i am people in the streets or people taking a stand outside of a grocery store or anything like that i have not seen anything like that but based on the fact that they, right, whoever they are, who are trying to ramp all this stuff back up again, being that it's fall and election season, the whole nine yards, hmm. you know, going back to what we were talking about is yeah. the phototherapy and the cellular absorption, people wanting to make sure 
it's not about having supplementation. You have, can have 10,000 supplements at home. And believe me when I tell you, like I said, when you come here, you, you will be amazed at, at my corner. Oh, I can't I wait to just look in your <laughs> cabinet. I mean, I mean I you know, the, the, um, the apple cider vinegar, vinegar next to the pink Himalayan <laughs> sea salt next to the, 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 the photo alcohol. patches. I mean, it's, I, I, if you don't mind, I'm probably going to want to do a video and uh, well, I'll you know, I have to ask permission, but uh, just I want to see how you live. I mean, you, you fascinate me. I mean, this, this is going to be a, a huge exploration. Uh, you know, I'm going to see if I can live as CJ does for like a week. And, but, just, but be, you know, it, you got to make sure. <laughs> yeah, right, no, it will be. It will be. Right. Um, okay. You have to make sure you've got quality stuff. I mean, it's worthless to have $2,000 worth of stuff and your body not even absorbing it or using it. I mean, that's ridiculous. So yeah, you've no, got to. Most people, but, but you know, not offending anybody, most people don't know what they don't know. I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. what I know. 15, I didn't know what I know now 15 years ago, right? Right. You know, mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, so so you want to make sure you're investing your time, energy, and money well. So you want things that you know that are in your toolbox that you know are definitely going to benefit you rather than not, not, you know, not being absorbed into your body. Because if your body is not absorbing it, you're not using it. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, that's like yeah. vitamin C. I've, I've heard that vitamin C, you can take 10,000 milligrams, but your body only needs like maybe four or five, and it's just going to dump the rest. But vitamin A, you can actually poison yourself if you have too much vitamin A. So vitamins are different. You can't just, you know, take everything. It, there are absorption rates, so you want to take enough, but not too much, even though some things your body doesn't care, and some things it does, right? Isn't that a big difference just between C and A? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Everybody's got to know the right doses. You have to know what you're low on and all this thing. But, you know, that takes mm-hmm. a lot of work. And I must be honest, I don't always know what I'm low on. You know, I don't get lab work every every month. You know, and your body, your body uses stuff. You get rid of stuff. You know, so it's a full-time job just to stay on top of that. So you've got to know mm-hmm. where there's a happy medium. You know, you just, you know, I, I mean, you should Keep have a fasting. good baseline once a year. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So how do you know if the, if your phototherapy is working? What what changes would you be able to feel or see in your body? Oh wow, wow. Okay, so a lot of people like say you have. I use this example a lot. You have an angst or a you know pain ache, whatever you want to call it. I call it an angst, right? Something angry on okay. your on your knee. Like, and I just give this example because it seems to help people. This is one one good example. So since I'm I'm a runner, praise Jesus, I've not had knee replacements. I've not had anything. A lot of my girlfriends my age or even younger have had knee replacements because of years that we've Wait a minute. Spent, you're younger you know, than me. You're too young for this. How old are people getting yeah. – how old are people who are getting knee replacements? Can you, tell me. I'm curious. Well, uh, that's what I'm saying is that a lot of my friends I know, you know, we are in the, we're in the fitness industry. So we're constantly teaching spinning classes, kickboxing classes, jumping, you know, pounding on our knees and being fitness instructors we're harder on our bodies. You know, we work out hard and we teach classes and all that. So from years yeah, but you're lighter. Thing, you know, I mean, you don't have excess body fat. Right. So, so we're, I hear like uh, 10 pounds of, of extra weight is like 40 pounds, you know, per step on your knees. It's like the, it's an additional pressure that they don't need. Something that but as an example, like I said, right. I've, I've, I've been, I, I have not had that, thank goodness. But mm-hmm. every once in a while, because I run hard, is that, you know, I'll get a twinge, like, right below my knee, and I'll be like, no, I'm going to keep going. So I'll get a certain patch, color patch, that's for discomfort, 
aches and pains, inflammation, that sort of stuff, I will plop that little circle Band-Aid on there. And within five minutes, that angst is gone, and I just keep, I just keep running. So there are huh. different things. Is that a photo patch? Um, mm-hmm, uh-huh. And then there's photo patches for well, wait a minute. Cells, so you... Don't they have to be connected to, like, a, a power source, or are, these things, you just, are they independently powered? It's an acupuncture point. So there's an actu- acupuncture point right on the inside of your knee, around your knee. I know exactly where it is. And you put it there, and it takes it away. So, so wait a again, minute, but, if it's but, on the right uh, But this is a photo, which is based on light. How is the light generated? The phototherapy is within the patch, which reacts to the heat of your body, which is infrared. It's the technology science in the patch, okay? So, okay, so it's not actually showing light. It's not putting light on your body. It's actually reacting to, it's putting infrared heat. Coming from your body. And in the circle patch technology, there is phototherapy technology. Okay. okay so I know not it's hard to it. understand. It. Well, that's okay. It. You, you have to try and it. I can it. You know, I'll walk so, around patches. So that's how, 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 <laughs> that, my forehead. how, that, how that works. Yeah. Okay. So some of the other patches that I've had experience with with people is another patch that you can put on a certain place on your temple, your forehead, and it helps your eyesight. It will help improve your eyesight. I was just saying I was going to wear a patch on my forehead. I was, I just said that a second ago. That is hysterical. I just envisioned a a patch on my forehead for my, cause I I wear glasses. I'm thinking, okay, it wouldn't be funny if I put a patch there that are we psychic or something? We we must have some connection. (laughs) I'm serious. It's exactly what I was thinking. Like the last minute of wearing a patch on my forehead. And I had no idea why. No, and that, and that does, it does work. It really does. It does oh, work. I believe a lot you. Of people now, I've do, seen do it in my head. You know? I've visualized it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm. yeah. And wow. there's another patch, and they have all different names, where it helps with the stimulation collagen through phototherapy. Now, my preference for that is a combination of phototherapy and actually taking a cellular absorption collagen, of which there's mm. different kinds depending on what somebody wants. Um so there's all different types of patches for different things. There's about, I don't know, eight patches. And mm-hmm. some is for stem cells, some is for glutathione, some is for inflammation. There's stuff to help, like I said, help promote and stimulate collagen so that your body starts to produce it on its own. So, But the whole technology, like I said, is the phototherapy with the infrared and the heat coming from your, your body. So it's an interesting science to dig into. Mm-hmm. And that has really, like I said, the cellular absorption and the phototherapy combined together, those have been the hottest things right now that I am working with people with. Hmm. By, by, by far, those are the top two things. And then people saying, hey, let's check my supplements, like make sure that these are good supplements that I have for the fall, for the winter, et cetera, et cetera, rather than me just wasting my money. I want to make sure that I've got supplementation that is actually going to be absorbed in myself, mm-hmm. you know, so mm. – Yep, so I think people are, are right now just being more proactive again, you know, making sure their their toolboxes are full, they know what they're supposed to be doing, and okay. all that sort of stuff. And they want to make sure that they are up on the latest technology. Because, you know, well, wellness technology is changing all the time. So to be up on the latest is, is, a good, is a good thing. So when I talk to people, they'll be like, I'm taking this, I'm taking this. I'm like, well, do you know? This is the latest. You need to make sure the cellular absorption. These are some options. Let's check and see what you have. 
it may mm-hmm. or may not be what you need right now. Huh. Okay. I have um, I have a question. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, who may actually start doing some wellness stuff here as well on Thursday, uh, and she was telling me about frequency stuff. There is a there's a YouTube frequency video um, that uh, fixes you up because sort of viruses, infections, and even parasites. I think it's like 1150 hertz or something like that. Uh, and they're different frequencies. Uh, does it, is this a similar kind of thing? And, and how successful have these been? Have you heard about these? I think you've talked frequencies before too. But can you do it to, to help you know, your whole body as opposed to a patch, which is much more of a localized infrared kind of thing? Talking about like a, the infrared saunas, is that what you're talking about? No, I'm talking about uh, playing stuff on your computer, sound waves that are at a particular okay. frequency. Yeah. Yeah, frequency okay, so uh, that, uh, that, that bugs hate and infections yeah. hate and, you know, uh, parasites hate. And I think it's like, a you know, viruses hate. It's kind of like an all-purpose. There are different frequencies that can, you know, cure your body of different things because they can't stand it. And I know something about this because I've, I've sort of joked around that uh, I've been playing guitar really consistently almost every day um, for the last couple of years. And they're no cockroaches. Right. They can't stand the sound, which is maybe right. a, a, you know, if the cockroaches don't like my music, it means maybe people do. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, but the thing is, sound has incredible effects that we haven't thought of. So, so the, the corollary right. of light therapy is sound therapy. So, so what do you know about this? I'm kind of curious. Yeah, well, I think we had talked about this before. I'm, I mm-hmm. don't know a lot about sound therapy, but the frequency waves, you know, we talked about before and the scalar energy and things like that as mm-hmm. far as that sort of thing. And, you know, I know a little bit about that, but that is not my, not my forte. But as far as what you specifically asked about, as far as sound waves, that mm-hmm. I'm not sure about. Okay. That I'm not sure about. I do well, let's know if it works if I, if I suddenly feel better, <laughs> you know, but I eat pretty well, too. Yeah, well, so, I mean, my, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think okay. there is power to that. I think there is healing stuff in that. But that's just yeah. not something that I have studied or looked into. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Most of the wellness things, other, unlike uh, traditional Western medicine, where they pump you up with drugs and uh, so-called vaccines and sleeping pills and, you know, painkillers and everything else, is that most of the stuff in wellness, even if it doesn't work, it's not going to hurt you. Hydroxychloroquine, yeah. ivermectin, even if they yeah. don't work, they're still not going to hurt you. You know, vitamin exactly. C, you know, it's not going to hurt you. Uh, sound therapy, right. light therapy, all these different things, chiropractors, unless you have a bad one. Uh, that's probably maybe not the best example because they, they, they can't screw up. Uh, but, you know, decent chiropractors, they're not invading your body. They're not doing surgery. You know, if right. I had a choice between a chiropractor and back surgery, uh, well, I made that choice. I went with the chiropractors and I've been fine. You know, I'm about to do for another adjustment, but uh, you know, three times a year. And why do I need three times a year? Because I exercise. Because I, I learned from a chiropractor years ago who also did exercise and weight training how to maintain chiropractic adjustments. So a lot of these things are, are synergistic. A lot of them, you know, work together. But I don't think there's a wellness thing. Essential oils, you know, all the different stuff out there. It's not going to hurt you. Oxygen treatments, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So, so there's, there's very low risk. There's really low risk, right. low risk to wellness. What do you think? There's more risk to taking, you know, a drug that your body doesn't need with a side reaction. Again, and not that you can't have a side reaction maybe to an oil or something like that, but it's going to be minimal or, or you know, manageable compared to the potential side effects of taking a drug that your body really doesn't need. Makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Okay. You know, 
So sound therapy, I mean, think about, you know, how you rock babies to sleep and when you put on different mm. things for babies. So, and we're, yeah. as humans, we're as babies, so we're used to sound therapy. I mean, I might, you know, I was just thinking about that just, just now. You know, you put on the uh-huh. music for a baby or rock or whatever, and hmm. that, that is sound, that is motion. Interesting. Yeah, I, um, I think I, who was I talking about? Uh, the, 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 well, I was going to say, but the whole, the whole music thing. Uh, the, oh, I was going to tell you, uh, my daughter, before she was born, you know, I, I talked to her, sang the whole bit. She instantly knew my voice the second she was born. And yeah. it was really, so, so sound waves are fascinating. And so being a musician, you know, I think there's a lot more to this. Why do people feel good when they listen to certain music? Why do you think I end my show with a classical piece of music every day? Why have I discovered that the playing rock and roll not only makes me feel good, but the cockroaches are staying away. So they're out doing their thing out in the wild. They're not doing their thing in my place. Um, but it was fascinating that uh, my daughter, shortly after she was born, we're talking like minutes, you know, when I picked her up. Uh, heard my voice and all of a sudden immediately calmed down and would cry with everybody else. But she knew my voice. And so the imprinting of voices are incredibly powerful, uh, especially for, for babies and young kids. And as you get older, familiar voices, you know, you hear a familiar voice on the phone or, or on my show. It's like, I feel better. And you probably feel better too. You know, it's, it's kind of cool, <laughs> you know, but I think there's so much more to this that, that we don't, we haven't really thought about. That might be worth exploring. So, so if that's the case, then why, if music makes you feel good, then why wouldn't different frequencies of sound have a healing or a therapeutic effect? It, it just seems to me a, a natural extension of that. Think about this. Think about right. this. Even like, no, that's exactly right. Now that I'm thinking about it, if you think about a mm-hmm. fitness class, right? If you go to a yoga class or mm-hmm. you go to a Pilates class or whatever, that sound affects your mood it affects what you do it affects your feeling if you go to a kickboxing class or a cycle class and mm-hmm. you're playing you know heavy rocky you know it affects whether you're yeah. calm or whether your mm-hmm. adrenaline is you know revved mm-hmm. up yeah so it makes total sense so it can be very soothing and healing it can pick up your mood uh-huh. Or it can, that's why people say, I think, you know, when you listen to certain songs or whatever, you might get depressed. It it, it affects your mood, it affects your aura, it affects, you know, everything. And if you listen to upbeat music or uh-huh. something else, it puts a different mood. I want to try something. I got a bunch of, uh, I got like one minute pieces. I won't play the whole thing, but just to, uh, what is, I'm not even going to tell you what it is. What, what does this do for you? Hang on, let me just get this going here. <laughs> So that, there's one selection. How do you feel now? Oh, it makes me upbeat and excited. Isn't that fun? Let me try something uh, completely different here it's, for my it's selection. It's funny. My dog, my dog was even looking at it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's. Uh... She, she's looking at the phone because I'm holding her and she heard the music and her eyes are like bling. <laughs> Here's another one.
There we go. Completely different mood. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Like yeah, sleepy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that's a Beethoven oh. piano concerto as opposed to the 1812 overture. Yep. yep. Yeah. And yep. so all these different sounds, I mean, I, I got to look more. In. Well, they have music therapy, don't they? Yes, they thing? do. Okay. Yes, hmm. they do. They, they absolutely do. Absolutely do. But, you know, I'm going to be researching some more of the phototherapy because, like I said, I use it a lot with people and even with mm-hmm. myself. But I, you know, I'm not the scientist behind it. I understand the basics of what makes the phototherapy work work with the heat. But that's mm-hmm. a very interesting subject, you know, to dive into because people think, you know, phototherapy and regenerating stem cells and glutathione and, you know, wrinkles and aches and pains, how can a little phototherapy patch do that, you know? And, again, it's just another option to infrared saunas and all the other different things that you can go mm-hmm. to and do and, and utilize, you know? Um, well, patch makes more sense than a whole sauna because if you're, if you're bathing your whole body in infrared light, uh, what, is, what kind of effect does that have? That's not natural. You know, what's natural is this, the solar spectrum. Uh, and this, the, the spectrum of light we get from the sun includes infrared and ultraviolet, the, the non-visible portions. Uh, and I know from right. studying full-spectrum light bulbs that people who have full-spectrum bulbs that simulate the frequencies of sunlight feel a whole lot better than those that used to use the classic fluorescent bulbs where they all get moody and, you know, especially you see that scene in, in, of the Washington Post, the movie All the President's Men. Big rooms, all fluorescent light bulbs are smoking. They're, uh, you know, typing away on manual and electric typewriters. Well, there's electric typewriters in those days. Um, but, yeah, it was a terrible place to work. <laughs> it was awful. I wearing synthetic ties and shirts and stuff, yeah. Horrible, uh-huh. horrible, horrible environment. But, uh, but light has an effect, too. So, uh, you know, I'm wondering if too much – so tell me about the, the idea of bathing yourself in infrared as opposed to full-spectrum sunlight. I'm just curious. Well. You're put, well, you're putting your whole body, you know, in that when people go into infrared saunas. That's why your body uh-huh. can only take so much. I'm not quite sure what the temperature, but it's very, very high. And so that's why your body can only stay in there so, so long. And uh-huh. I, I personally, I would love to sit in infrared sauna. I don't think that I ever have. Um, huh. And I know a lot, of my, a lot of my, huh? What does it do to your body? What, what's the, what does infrared light do to your body? The infrared lighting, I'm sorry, the infrared actually helps to stimulate all of those pressure points in your body throughout oh, your okay. body. So oh, like so it's like a, up, you know, like a full body patch. Up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I have, a, oh. I have several friends um, who are naturopathic doctors and in the wellness arena. They actually have infrared at home. And they utilize oh. them. Yeah, and they see great benefits from them. And they've bought, I mean, you can buy them on Amazon for your home. Um, huh. And I know several people who have them in in their home. And it's a really huh. good thing to sit in because you've got the heat, you've got the phototherapy, you've got the pressure points. But it's not something where you can sit in there for like two hours, you know, um, because you would literally pass out. So that's not a good, you know, a good thing. Um, but to sit in there for 20 minutes. Well, you could overstimulate minutes. all your meridians and nerves and your body would go crazy. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be awful. Think, yeah. you, you, <laughs> want to, you want to stimulate, not exhaust. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But so I just I see it now. A, yeah. Hi, honey. I've got to take an infrared bath. I'll be right back. See you in five minutes. Okay, fine. <laughs> Talk to you then, dear. <laughs> right. Right. So, <laughs> I don't, but just, I think you know, like wellness homes. They just imagine what, you know, people live you know, like wellness couples. 
You know, mm-hmm. if you go to go to their homes, well, <laughs> I want to, you know, like, yeah, anyway, it would be kind of funny. Dinner in well, a wellness home. Well, it's almost home. like I need to do more research on them. I'm just, I'm just a wimp, and I don't think I could do it. You see, in fact, I just saw um, my functional medicine doctor do this the other day on Instagram. Uh-huh. You know, where you see people taking the cold plunge, where you sit in such ice cold water. You know, for oh, you can only do it like for five or five or six minutes, like I have a friend. Now I get this. I have a friend that's sitting in an, in an, in an ice cube bathtub. It's like a bathtub filled with ice cubes. And I, I won't yep. say who it is. It's like, I'm not thinking to myself, why are you doing that? And perfectly happy right. expression, you know, on her face. And she's sitting there in an ice, ice cube water bathtub. And this is good for you. Why? Right. Why is this good for you? Yeah. There is a, there is a science. I, I personally have not researched it. I really haven't. But it does, like, wake up yourself and there's some things in there that healing properties that it does have but i i i'm just gonna say i have not researched that so huh. i don't can, have can we wake him up another way there's another way to wake him up that's something i can't do like yeah. i i just yeah. i can't do it if uh-huh. um if it gets below 75 degrees hmm. i'm freezing but I think that's from, you know, I grew up in Pennsylvania, and then I've been down here in the South since 1998. And so mm-hmm. I've gotten, my, gotten accustomed to certain things, you know. So Yeah, um, being warm for one of them. <laughs> I don't know how people yeah. live in the North. I just don't. I, I was born in Canada. I never liked winters. You know, I liked Australia when I was there. Then my folks brought me to New England. I'm back in winters again. It's like, why did you do that to me? I was perfectly happy in Australia. I don't need to see snow. I, I don't. I mean, I've seen it. <laughs> okay, it was, it's really fun sometimes. But I don't like plowing it, walking in it, slipping on it, or, or, you know, fighting with it. I don't. It's just, you know. So I moved to California. So here I'm really happy in the, in, in the Gulf Coast. No, although we do get snow okay. here occasionally. It's kind of weird. They got snow my first year. It's like, oh, no, I can't believe I moved to a snow climate. Anyway, it's not much. Yeah. Okay. Kind of novel. Yeah. Okay. But cold, yeah. cold is different. Well, here's a, here's a question for you. Have you noticed the, um, the different temperaments of people in different regions of the earth depending on the temperature? The southern right. climates are always the uh, the cooks, the artists, the writers, you know, the uh, uh, the crazy folks, <laughs> you know. Uh, and the northern places right. where it's colder, they're always the industrialists, the heart, the workers, the, the factories, you know, go get a job. And them, you know, it's it's interesting. And that works. You, you say the United States and Germany, <laughs> you know, southern Germany is Munich, party town, right? right. Oktoberfest, yeah, we have mm-hmm. a good time. You go up to Hamburg and, and Frankfurt, and they're all this all the industrial north. Uh, same thing with England, mm-hmm. London and Cornwall, the South is kind of like party town. Um, well, London's like financial center, but you get up North the Midlands, that's where all the factories are, Liverpool, Manchester, <laughs> you know, and you look at the United States, you'll get any, now in Australia, of course they reverse it, right? Cause it's the Southern hemisphere. So the warmer parts in the Northern part of the country. So the party towns are around Brisbane, Queensland, you know, the, the gold right. coast, the, the, the surfer's paradise, the, the great barrier reef, the hardworking industrialists, they're all down in Melbourne and Sydney in the Southern portion of the country. It's really fascinating how temperature. Italy, look at Italy, same thing. You know, right. Naples, where, where the crazy folks are, and uh, you know, northern Italy, Milan, where the work gets done. <laughs> I don't know. Temperature really plays a huge part in lifestyle. Right. Yeah. Oh, it sure does. It absolutely does. It absolutely yeah. does. So, um, but yeah, those. And I'm I'm so sorry that I don't have a lot more content. Like I said, I've been traveling for. Don't worry about it. Eight days. We're just rambling. And, it's fun. Uh, I don't care. And I'm going to be traveling actually uh, this week too, so I need to let you know. And then after this week, then I'm then I'm back and I'm I'm all good. But this upcoming okay. Thursday, I'm actually going going to Myrtle Beach with um with a couple of 
the other partners that I have on my podcast because we are okay. covering an event. So I will be in Myrtle Beach for, for about four days. So, so you're off next week? You're off be, the 21st? Yes. This upcoming, okay. this upcoming Thursday I will be off, and then that's the last one. I'm, I'm good. I'm in town and around after that. Okay, so no CJ next week. I'll put you on the calendar. Once it's on the calendar, it's official. I have uh, folks that uh, – you know, tell me, and they think that I read everything. <laughs> like, no, I don't. If I don't say it's on the calendar, <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, I guess yep, the price I will, I will, other folks, I will yeah. be traveling on the twenty first, but then to that, I'm, I'm good okay. all the way through the new year. I'm, I'm, cool. I'm around, and we'll have some really, really cool stuff. And I don't know, you know, I'm starting some, I'm starting some new wellness programs up. So, you know, if anybody uh-huh. wants to reach out to me or you want me to talk about those, I will be launching those. Yeah. Absolutely. When I get back, there will be a parasite program that I'm launching, and I will actually be doing a physical program with my new website that I have going up that will be done before the end of September. So that's actually a course that Uh I will be running, and that will be, I think it's around the second week in October. And Mm. come November, you know, for the holidays, I'm going to do a metabolic program because everybody needs to learn about we need big meal and metabolics that. and, uh, you know, holiday meals and stress and, you know, alcohol. We need all that stuff. We're coming into a really good time for you, so this is great. So enjoy next week. Uh, if you've got a few more minutes, let's uh, – I got some uh, – yeah. I, I, I want to tell you what's happening tomorrow. So this is totally off your yeah. topic. This is my topic. But there's something yeah. uh, that could be earth-changing uh, tomorrow. And so I have a returning guest. Uh, his name is Chadwick Moore. Chadwick Moore mm-hmm. is the author of the biography of Tucker Carlson, known as Tucker, the one you see in all the bookstores, mm-hmm. the big book tours, things like that. Okay. Three weeks ago, he was on. And I asked him two questions <clears throat> besides the book and everything like that. I said, uh, I, I said, I have an idea. I said, I want to get um, Donald Trump and Robert Kennedy together at the same table with Tucker Carlson to have a discussion, adult discussion of the issues, not a debate format, not, uh, not like the goobers do you know, the, the goober candidates, as I call them. I said, but just a discussion between those two uh, with, uh, with Tucker Carlson asking, you know, big, broad, general questions. He's like, that's a great idea. I said, well, can you take it to Tucker Carlson? He's like, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, good. I said, now here's the second idea. I said, this one is absolutely shameless on my part, but here's what I want to do. I want to get on the air with Tucker uh, on his, his Twitter show, and I want to uh, work, walk him through writing a bill. So we actually write a bill on the air. And be live. And I said, I don't want to know the bill ahead of time. I want to take it completely from scratch, completely from I have no idea to let's let's create this thing. And then we're going to send it to his member of Congress. And he's like, whoa, that sounds interesting. I said, yeah, Tucker's the only one I think who would be uh, brave enough and crazy enough to do that. And he'd find it interesting. And because no one else would do it live, they would never do something live. Most people, they're they're terrified. They they, They follow their script. You know, they can't do it. But he would do it. And so I'm going to ask him tomorrow, you know, what's the follow-up? What, uh, you know, what, what did Tucker say? What, uh, you know, is the result of this? And so one of two things or two of two things might happen. One is that uh, Tucker loves the idea and he's going to contact Donald Trump and Robert Kennedy and get them, uh, you know, together for a meet on TV, you know, on, on Facebook, uh, on Twitter. But the other idea, if Carlson is interested in actually doing something no journalist has done, a major journalist, writing legislation on the air, showing everybody how this is done, using writeyourlaws.com, and then getting, that, getting a bill that he wrote directly to Congress. And then, and then he can, of course, report on it any time, which I'm sure he will. It's his bill. Uh-huh. Those two events could be, A, life-changing for me, but that's not the point. The point is that politics as we know it 
by either either one of those events, but both of them combined, politics as we know it would change for, I don't know, the foreseeable future decades. Everything we know about politics would change if people start writing their own bills. And I get to show people how to do it. And I get 150 million views, for example, on Tucker Carlson's show or more as people go, whoa, this is different. <laughs> Think of the possibilities of that. That is awesome. Yeah. That, we'll find out, that we'll find out tomorrow. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, to keep me in the loop for sure. Yep, yep, and I've already proposed it um, to to him. We'll see what comes back. I've been talking to some other people off the air, part of my my secret operatives out there, <clears throat> people that yep. are that are yep. helping the show behind the scenes. And there are some amazing people helping the show behind the scenes, and they're gonna stay behind the scenes, <laughs> you know, until we hear otherwise right. uh, from them. Well, you but, know what? Uh, this is yeah. totally a little a little squirrel. Um, what we're talking about. I don't know if you're familiar, but there is a conference going on, um, and. I want to go. Odds are I won't go because I, I, I don't know how I would get there. Um, mm-hmm. But there is a, um, a wellness conference going on um, with Dr. Judy and um, Robert Kennedy is going to be there and a whole bunch of people actually out. I think it's Scottsdale, Arizona. It's in, I think, November 6th, 7th, and 8th, or 8th, 9th, 10th, something like that, a long, long weekend. Um, and... I know about it. Um, I can, you know, I, I'm connected with, you know, some of the people that are going to be there. And I, I would like me. to go. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get there. Yeah. But, no, I, I, yeah, um, exactly. Road trip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's hit the road. Yeah, I'm like, okay, that would be like, I need to hire a really hot, sexy chauffeur. Take me. And then, you know, so you come and Greg, are you going to chauffeur? We're going to drive out to Arizona. No, I, think, I would just trade. We'll trade driving. We could, we could do a road trip. That'd be hysterical. Be great fun. Oh my gosh. Maybe maybe like, rent a car no so we don't destroy our own. What's that? Right? Yeah. Because well, I'm like, well, there's well, no way I'm getting on a plane. You know, I just I'm just not gonna do it. I'm in that mindset. I mean, I know a lot of people are flying, even people in the movement, you know, I just uh-huh. I can't get my mind there yet. I just mm-hmm. I can't fly right now. No. Okay. Um, I wouldn't be crazy about it either, but uh, let's, let's, well, the fortunes of the show have to change. I, I need more of a travel budget, but, and that's the only thing stopping me from going anywhere at this point uh, is just the fact that we're, we are so censored and so oppressed. We just, I, I need to, to have some, some major sponsors and they will show up. I do the Tucker thing. Uh, I'll have national accounts the next day and everything will change. Yeah. Um, so that's a yeah, big part of that, that. That's yeah. But let's, we'll talk, we'll talk off the air and see if we can do a road trip. That might be fun. Okay. Across the country. Yeah. Reporting on yeah. the different towns yeah, yeah, we yeah. show so, up at, so doing videos. <laughs> we'll do videos wherever yeah. we are. Oh, that would be hysterical. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, that'd be fun. I'd do it. Yeah. November yeah. might be a bit oh. soon. Well, here's the other thing, too, is that uh, if uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits, you know, who's a friend of mine, uh, and he, she's meeting with uh, Bobby Kennedy, who's a friend of hers, you know, she'll probably yeah. tell him about these ideas uh, and our legislation again. And so if they're yeah. meeting, well, then maybe um, – uh-huh. I'm supposed to interview, again, talk with Dr. Judy again tomorrow night, but I know she's been traveling and stuff, and I've texted her, and, you know, she's a mm-hmm. tough cookie to get in touch. I'll have to tell you some other things off off the air, but right. she and I are actually going to be partnering to, to do some things, and so I would Good. love to share that with you. Okay. But it's going to yeah. be great, and like I said, if I can get to that event in November, I would love to go. I just don't know how I would do it unless it's through, like, closing my eyes and beam me up Scotty and get me there. <laughs> You know, we need to uh, to travel and do things like this. So what we need, we kind of like need to visualize our our expanding travel budgets. Something's going to happen. Something's right. going to break for for both of us. 
Uh, it's only a question of how and when. I, I know things are going to break for, break for Action Radio, and uh, so then we'll be talking, and I know things are going to break for you. And so it's just a question of we just got to keep doing. We just keep doing what we're doing. Get past the censorship. Exactly. You know, get past the deep state. Uh, get past the people hacking my website. Did I tell you about that? I told you about that, right? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So they hacked the, uh, the, the, main, they hacked the bill index. The one part that uh, was public that people could use to look up all our bills, that's that, – this is my 60-second warning. That's the part they blocked. I mean, what are the chances, right? Go after the one th- – they left right. my website alone except for the part where public – you know, I could still get to my bills, but nobody else could because they didn't see them. They blocked access to the index of the bills. Now, that's a targeted attack, right? Yep. Pretty interesting. No huh? Yeah, well, we fixed it. I won't say how, but we fixed it. Yeah. It'll all be good. But again, okay. I'm, you know, my, my apologies for having, you know, to talk about what, what I did. I've just been out Don't of the intention no, no, for a while. No. And Nothing to apologize I'm, for. I'm preparing, Don't worry about it. I'm preparing yeah. to travel for, um, you know, for my, for my other venture for my podcast next next uh-huh. week which will be really exciting and, and good and lots of great interviews and things like that but i will we'll tell talk you about again that. and then I'll... Huh? tell me about your podcast tell me about your podcast and then uh, tell me contact information and let's do it again yeah. in two weeks absolutely absolutely so um my podcast is all the things okay it's not much wellness um i am creating something for that so I'll, i will let you know but my podcast is on rumble and it's the Angel Warrior Network, and all the words run together, the Angel Warrior Network, only on Rumble. And I will be traveling for that purpose next week, doing some interviews and some things like that in, in, in Myrtle Beach. So that's what I'm doing next, next week. And then I'm starting back in October, mm-hmm. CJ's Wellness Wednesday podcast, you know, when they start up. I will be doing this probably on Rumble. Um, I t- will not be using YouTube only because of the censorship on there. So it will still be on the Angel Warrior Network platform, right. but, it be, but it will be CJ's Wellness Wednesday podcast starting in October. And then on that platform as well, you will have the opportunity to sign up for any classes that you want to take, like the Parasite Cleanse the metabolic reset, anything like that, that will be mm-hmm. starting either around the second week in October. And I will be running that through my new website, which will be launched at the end of this month. Ooh, you got a lot of exciting stuff happening. This is good. I do. I do. Yeah. Lots of stuff, yeah. lots of moving parts, but it's all good. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I definitely want to come on your show again. Uh, I'd love to be a guest. And so that'll be cool. And also uh, yes. stick around here because things are going to get really interesting around here too. Yes, and do me a favor. I know we try to catch up via text because I know you got a lot of things going on, but text me later today, and then that way we can talk this weekend maybe about a bunch of things. Sounds good. Okay. Strategizing All right, my dear. Well, the, be- the behind <laughs> the behind the scenes world of Action Radio, the world that nobody knows about. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Have any uh, Have any questions? You can email me at hwellnessnetwork at gmail.com. That's H2O wellnessnetwork at gmail.com. Sounds good. Thanks, darling. Have a great couple of weeks. I will Thanks. talk to you. Well, I'll talk to you off the air soon, but uh, I'll talk to you back yep. on the show in two weeks. Thank you, CJ. All right. Sounds good. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye now. See all the fun we have here? This is great. 
<laughs> all these plans, future stuff is going to be wonderful. All right, so tomorrow, again, Chadwick Moore is going to be on the show at 8 a.m. Central Time. So we've got our, our regular folks. We've got uh, Tara D. with the uh, Animal Shelter Report. We've got uh, Derek Park with the Financial Report. We'll have Chadwick Moore for as long as we can, probably, have a, probably like 25 minutes, 30 minutes. Then we'll have half an hour of I don't know what, and then we've got uh, an hour of I don't know what. <laughs> So I'm a, I'll, I'll, I'll work on that, too. So we'll see what's going on. Who knows? It's going to be a, going to be a crazy time. But, of course, the big one's going to be Chadwick Moore following up on two questions for Tucker Carlson. Uh, does he want to have a Trump-Kennedy um, uh, discussion on his show? And would he want to write a bill with me uh, on the air with him from scratch that we would send, uh, once we get it finished, uh, directly to uh, his, his representative in Congress? Uh, maybe senators too, and then of course everybody else can send it to theirs as well. So that's what we're looking at. It's going to be a fun time. Anyway, back tomorrow, 7 a.m. We will do it all again.